Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is one of our deep dives, our Bakta Tank of talk. It is going to be a turbulent time in the old Bakta Tank because we are talking the magic of lightsaber fights. This is part five. We are launching into the big, epic, concluding duels of Revenge of the Sith. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Cat Napsock, and is that Bacta, or is it lava, he said, knowing it was a cheesy <laughs> joke? Uh, imagine that that is some balance in the Force, that there's Bacta tanks for healing, and then lava tanks for not healing. 
Oh, man. Uh, you know, uh, some people enjoy a nice warm bath. I do not, so this is maybe that equivalent. <laughs> I like a warm shower, but lava is a step too far. Uh, I hope you enjoy the word lava because we're going to be saying it a lot. Before we get into all the lava, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. It is a great and, dare I say, important Star Wars novel. Luke, Lando, Ray's parents, all sorts of excitement can be yours to listen to by downloading your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. And if you do get it and you listen to all of Shadow of the Sith and you think, I'm not done listening, you can listen to our, uh, frankly, epic review discussion of the book that we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ken, any other Shadow of the Sith thoughts? Uh, no other than I think you all should take a, a listen, a peek, a read if you haven't had a chance to. It's one of those ones that's on that list you and I have of, I'd love to reread that Star Wars book when I'm done reading all the new Star Wars books, but it's on that list. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the middle of reading uh, The Wonderful, The Princess, and The Scoundrel that we got advanced Ooh. copies of. And uh, in, in fact, forgot that the young adult Obi-Wan teenage book was coming out. So we got to right. jump into that too. There's so many uh, reading opportunities right now. Yeah, look, we don't want to get into too much here. We're talking about lightsabers. Uh, man, that princess and the scoundrel. Ooh, that's a good Star Wars book so far. I love it. Really, really deeply amazing. I am clearing special calm, quiet, uh, quality time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> calm, quiet, qu- quality time. Uh, it's hard to say, but it's great to have. And I'm going to have that for this book. Yes, indeed. All right. Are you ready to get into lightsaber fights, Ken? This is a big one, and I am ready. Yeah, so if you're just catching up uh, now with this uh, this series that we're doing, uh, we've just really been examining all of the big lightsaber fights because they are such a key part of both the thrill, the adventure serial, the fun of Star Wars, but also the core themes, what is being said, what do the characters want, why are they fighting, all these great ideas that are embedded in the duels. We've discussed all the duels from the original trilogy, uh, the battles of Phantom Menace, Attack the Clones, and the first half of Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. But we had to break it up into two episodes. This episode, we're going to be talking the two climactic battles, Yoda versus Sidious and Obi-Wan versus Anakin slash Vader. But before we get into those, we even have a bonus duel. Uh, We both, Ken and I, have the instinct not to count Obi-Wan versus Grievous as a lightsaber duel great fight i have many thoughts and feelings on it uh but i don't think of it as a lightsaber duel ken why do you think it is that that we don't think of it as a duel uh, look at first of all, i want to acknowledge i think uh this troubled some of our listeners in the discord oh, did it? There were, there's some talk of like i don't know that's that's a lightsaber fight uh and and i i we get it we totally get it but i just gotta it's a fist fight it's a barroom brawl and a car <laughs> chase and a lightsaber duel <laughs> And I always make reference to like a pro wrestling card or a fight fight card. This is a gimmick slop match you put on an event to clear the palette before the big matches. It's fun. It's a crowd pleaser. It's got some great moments, but it is never going to be ranked higher than the big matches in the main event. And you need both to make a good card to balance out a card. So I have a positive view of this fight. 
But yeah, I, I, I stop short of saying a lightsaber duel. Uh, it just doesn't uh, work for me. Just, and I have more thoughts on that there, but I, I want to make sure I'm not uh, speaking for you here, sir. No, I think we are very much on the same page. I think it starts as a lightsaber duel, and I think Grievous has the hubris to pretend it is a lightsaber duel, to pretend mm. that he's a match uh, for Kenobi. Obviously, he does go toe-to-toe with him in the Clone Wars, and he's deadly with lightsabers. I get all that. But in the context of Revenge of the Sith, the, you know, I've been trained in your Jedi arts and the big show and the spinny-spinny, and then Obi-Wan, you know, quickly ends the actual lightsaber fight portion by mm-hmm. <laughs> taking yeah. away two of his blades in rapid succession and then kind of reminding him it's not just about, being a Jedi is not just about lightsabers with the big force push. And then, yeah, I agree with you. It turns into a chase, a punch up, and a shootout. <laughs> yes, yes. Real quick, Obi, I think, you know, your, your sort of wrestling analogy where it's this big buildup of Grievous is like, I am the very best at this kind of wrestling, and then get slapped down. Like, <laughs> I know three other kinds of wrestling. Yeah, it's it's a long-running feud, especially if you're watching the Clone Wars. And look, it's not just simply that Grievous isn't Force-sensitive, for me, why I don't count this as a duel, it, 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 the themes are strong. He represents uh, all this idea of you know, he gave up most of all of himself for unspeakable power, position, and prestige, but it's all bark, four sabers, and no bite with him. It, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 he loses two hands and, a, and sabers in a blink. The clones interrupt him, and Grievous does what he does best, right? Runs. And, I, and at the end, even though Kenobi's once again taken a beating and doesn't break. That's kind of a Kenobi thing. It's less of a duel and more of a spanking emotionally. And in the end, (laughs) actually a spanking sort of with a laser gun for Grievous. Yeah. And I think that that is maybe our our quick version of the sort of uh, what's at stake in the thematics. I really do like that it is Grievous is just all about brute force and power. And Obi-Wan is fighting defensively, you know, disarming him. He's not going for the heart or the head initially. Right. In the lightsaber duel, he's about, you know, let's let's even this up a little bit. What is Grievous not thinking about that? I am. And I think Obi-Wan just has very much on his mind. He always runs. This isn't about me beating him in a lightsaber fight. This is about me making sure he doesn't run. And I think that's what the fight turns into. Uh, So with that in mind, I did want to ask you if you have uh, any like favorite moments of uh, thrill or meaning or anything that makes that battle special to you. Yeah, and that's where I, I go to the folks who might have been like, hey, you can't leave that out. And you're not wrong in a lot of ways. There's so many cool things in it. Revenge of the Sith is full of just the awesome Star Wars pew, 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 and clash, clash, clash moments, if you will. Uh, and I love, I think, but Kenobi's brash approach. You and I have talked about that before. Who doesn't love the hello there is such a, you know, <laughs> hey, what's up? And, and I love he contemplates for, for a second. Like I always, he's like kind of looking down. How should I approach this like a Jedi? Eh, bleep it. Let's go fight. So the hello there, your move. I don't think so. All these lines from it, they're all fun. They're all Kenobi stuff. They all have their own line with Kenobi in the, in his life and in his career and in these moments. Um, but even, even Kenobi pulling down the scenery, literally under the Magna uh, droids, it's just, it's some great stuff. And it's almost like there's a vibe of it's almost Indiana Jones reaching for his pistol against the town swordsman. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, you and plays it that way. It's one of my favorite beats that it starts with the, the, the great, uh, hello there and the great you know assess- mm-hmm. I think what he's assessing when he's rubbing the old chin is I need to buy time mm-hmm. I bet Grievous will want to take me himself I bet he's got yeah. that ego and I can play into that uh, and then but then you do get the big big wind up of his great uh, you know stance and yeah. then it, it's the shoulder slump of like, I don't have to do this it's a, it's <laughs> yes. totally uh, Ewan McGregor channeling Harrison Ford it's totally Obi-Wan channeling Han Solo from a certain point of view of like 
I don't need to do this. And then bringing the machinery down is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in all of Revenge of the Sith. And because I love the Magna Guards and the Magna Droids. I love the Electro Staffs. I love I, I love the look, the sound, everything about it. And I, even I'm kind of like, yeah, it's going to be, oh, no, punk. <laughs> and then he yep. just, the head chop is comedy. Just it comedy. is. So, yeah, I love that moment. That's probably my number one. Uh, but I really do like uh, the the wheel bike. I just love mm-hmm. how, you know, bizarre and interesting it is. But the real, uh, you know, mechanical power and rage versus organic connection and mm-hmm. big picture that's um, that's symbolized by the wheel bike versus Boga the Varactyl. Um, and I have come to just, I always liked Boga. Then I found out there are people who really disliked Boga. But that call... The the the, mm. the rectal mm-hmm. call of Boga is one of the to me coolest sounds, and it's just it, it's thrilling, and it is also meaningful because it is Obi Wan being in the Jedi being flowing and organic, working with a creature uh, yeah. versus <laughs> I have a wheel I run away in. You know, is <laughs> so so spot on and really enjoyable. So I really love that part of it. Yeah, and and Kenobi trying to stick an electro staff into Grievous's wheel bike is really fun. It is uh, like an Indiana Jones chase, and so this makes me realize that hell, this is an Indiana Jones fight, not a lightsaber duel. And Indiana Jones <laughs> being a character I love so much, I think that's why I do love this fight. But don't consider it on the surface, at least in a, a gut reaction way, that it's a lightsaber duel. But again, yes, lightsabers are involved, so I get it. Absolutely, it starts out as a lightsaber duel, and yeah, like the, I think the animatic I haven't watched in a while. I think the animatic that things like you know eight hours long initially when they conceived it it was conceived in great love i think as a big chase but i do really like the the conclusion i like um a bunch of individual moments of you know when obi-wan gets thrown by grievous uh and i i love the the conclusion uh this is grievous not learning uh from the past not studying battles of everybody thinks that uh, obi-wan is done when he's clinging to a ledge (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but Obi-Wan wins yeah. with the high ground and he often wins with the low ground. And it, I love that it is similar to the mall fight of the villain doesn't see the options that Obi-Wan still sees, even when it looks like he's lost. And uh, right. that leads the old blaster uh, to the organ sack. Um, <laughs> well, when you say it like that, <laughs> and I just always love, uh, always love slash uh, enjoy the trauma of, there's yeah. such question in the movie, but even more in like the novelization of who should go. Can Obi-Wan do this? This is the key. This is the battle that will yeah. end the Clone Wars. And Obi-Wan has this amazing victory that's immediately stolen from him. It's yeah. so sad. Yeah, it's, it, it is a victory, but it's a false victory in so many ways. But yeah, there's there's. Uh... Something about it. And I think that that lingers with my, my initial viewings where you know, I've talked often like, I don't know, Grievous was kind of disappointing to me. I, I've changed my tune on that. I think what he represents is just pr- tremendously valuable to the story. But he's just such a wonderful design. And it, it, you, it, you're supposed to be left with that feeling of that's all? That's all? Because, you know, there's greater evils behind it. But, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. And I particularly like you know, the kick and punch fest. I don't know why I love Kenobi kicking him. I don't. I, I just I just <laughs> something about that. Where it's like, what did you think was going to happen, man? <laughs> he's he's just trying. He's, he's just, just trying. trying. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think this is one of those things that definitely changes uh, with time. Uh, living through those years of anticipation between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and the Clone mm-hmm. Wars micro series comes out, which has a lot of really big Jedi action and really, really sells Grievous. Is how can he be ever stopped? Even a team of 80 Jedi, how could they stop him? They really sell uh, Grievous hard. Mm-hmm. So I think at the time there was, that's the discussion that I was, uh, you yeah. know, a part of with uh, 
with the friends who wanted to talk about Star Wars still. <laughs> yeah, uh, good point. Because uh, it was getting a little thinner uh, yeah. back then in the day. Uh, but yeah, I just just looking at the movie for the movie, love this lightsaber battle chase punch up shootout yeah yeah <laughs> any final thoughts on this one before we move on to the uh the ones we're covering uh no no uh, you know like i said i do have a love for it and uh who doesn't love a good barroom brawl in a, in a motion picture absolutely love this fight too so that was our short overview of that uh fight in revenge of the sith now we're going to go on to those two big epic duels first up yoda versus sidious uh, Ken, this brutal battle begins at uh, about uh, one hour, 48 minutes into the film and ends at uh, one hour, 54 minutes in. It is intercut only with the Obi-Wan and Vader duel. Uh, the actual fight between Yoda and Sidious lasts about four scenes, four individual scenes, not counting Yoda's escape in uh, Sidious's decision to head to Mustafar. So what are your current feelings on this fight and have they changed over the years from back in the day? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think I never loved this one back in the day uh, in, in some ways. And, and um, I know if you, if you don't enjoy some of the overtop aspects of the, of, of the prequel, specifically Revenge of the Sith, uh, the fight presents maybe some challenges, especially, you know, 2005. So for me, from like 2005 to 2011, I wasn't crazy about this fight. But slowly but surely it became quotable. Its true meaning emerged. And at one point, you just kind of pull back and go, it's crazy to think, especially again, you know, we look at all viewpoints and entry points in the Star Wars. But if you're an original trilogy kid, it's crazy to think that you got to see Yoda versus the Emperor in a duel. Mm -hmm. And my Kenner love and heart just explodes. <laughs> my mail away Emperor figure fought the Yoda figure I got at the Kmart. Like, that's crazy. And uh, I think that's uh, where I look at it and, and just kind of how I look at it now. And, and that's kind of a refrain. That's going to come to, I even got some of those thoughts in the, the big duel we're talking about in, in the second half of the show, where over time, some of the things that in 2005, I went like, ah, that was clunky. I, it, it actually becomes, it's part of the things I love. It's it's the, the deliveries of, of McDermott or, uh, you know, uh, little movements by Yoda that back in the theater, I, I crossed my arms and went, not my Star Wars. Now I'm like, that is Star Wars. And that's, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, I hope a good good thing to move forward and accept things, um, but also just to, to find uh, joy in this in this entire battle. Yeah, I think I... I think I always loved this one. Um, I think that I always had a couple beats where I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I think I really always loved this, uh, even back in 2005, partially from the just the sense of everything's out in the open, that just the, it permeates it, just the like the masks are dropped, right? The way that scene begins. And, you know, <laughs> how many meetings has Yoda had uh, with this guy and just comes in and just like, all right, all right, Emperor, or should I call you Darth Sidious? And he's just, he's, he just spends on his just master Yoda. It's just like that sense of, ah, we've, we've kind of been having the mm -hmm. passive aggressive, you know, a peeing match yeah. <laughs> for yeah. years. And now it's just out in the open. So I think there was that that I loved about it, uh, regardless of any other details. And then just, like you said, the answer to the decades long uh, playground in bar conversation, almost decades, mm -hmm. a decade and a half long playground in bar conversations of like, did Yoda and Sidious, uh, not Sidious, did Yoda and the Emperor ever fight? Did they have lightsabers? Do you yeah. think they ever had like a fight with their canes? <laughs> yes. Because they both got canes. Did they bash canes together? Uh, ah. And I think 
one of the other things that uh, I like then and have, have come to appreciate more and more is just the emotion of it. I, I don't feel like there's in in McDermott's performance and in Yoda's combined performance between Frank Oz and all the great animators and everyone. Um, this fight is just all there are a few different emotions in it, but for the most part, it's Palpatine's glee at violence and Yoda's just kind of horror and sadness at violence. Ultimately, it, that's that's like the heart of what's going on between them and the heart of what this scene is about. Is Palpatine's like, this is great destruction, anger, conflict, violence, two wrinkled evil thumbs up, and Yoda's just like, this is awful. This is eating my soul you know yeah it, all of that to me is going on within the fight in you know we have these up and down moments where mm. one is uh, cocky and one is afraid and all that but it's yeah. glee and horror man this is what i love you and i know what we're going to talk about but we, we never know what we're going to say we always are, are we come to this podcast uh, as we are and we are often in in line even when we're at, at, at slight odds it's it's a it's a blurred edge and we come together in the center right <laughs> Um, I, I wrote, literally wrote, I think my enjoyment of, of this scene now centers a lot around the straight glee from Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> He's just cackling, cackling, never yeah. ending cackling. And I think in 05, when I'm in the theater, uh, wanting something else, I don't know why, you know, I didn't, you know, unlimited power challenged me. Now I love that. It's literally one of my favorite moments we talked about last week, but, uh, it, it's the glee has throughout this fight. He is laughing. He's giggling. He is giggling and he's destroying the Senate chamber that he spent so many years just toiling in disguised mm -hmm. as a caring politician. And again, we, we never want to side with him, but we love him. We love his presence. We love the big evil he is. And and I, I was thinking, is this truly the only time we see this evil monster happy? <laughs> I mean, that gift that everybody does of just that, those little two hands of delight looking at Yoda's smoking body, right? And that's just at the beginning of the fight before he really gets into it. And I mean, that's like that. You, people use that gift for like, oh, I'm going to have a meal I love or, you know, mm -hmm. a TV show I released uh, that I loved was released. And it's just that it's awful to be like, what is best in life? A yeah. little green friend's body smoking. I couldn't be happier. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. looking at my two pack of this mm, uh, mm, fight that right. I got back in 2014, in mm -hmm. uh, pretty straightforward Yoda, very cool. Uh, but then the Darth Sidious has the giant smile on his face, just that bleep eaten <laughs> grin. <laughs> it, look, I look at I, at one point he does try to run away, right? I think he's got right. some fear for Yoda. Let's be clear about that. We can talk about that beat. Oh, we will. But I I even think it's not unlike for, what comes to mind is the Steve Martin. Uh, Bill is a Bill Murray cameo in Little Shop of Horrors where the dentist scene where like, you know, he loves the pain. <laughs> even <laughs> yeah. even when Yoda like throws Palpatine across the, the office and into the chair, I, I think Palpatine's enjoying himself. <laughs> He's like, yes, finally I get to fight. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And he's yeah. certainly into it by the time that he's on, he's almost falling off uh, yeah. the Senate pod and he's still right. like, this is great. <laughs> so he's, at a state, he's at a state fair. He just fell off the the, the ride, the, the the roller coaster. And he's still like, this is great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's that. I think there's a lot to take from Yoda uh, uh, failing and something that affects his future views, his outlooks, the lessons up to, of course, The Last Jedi. A lot of people love connecting the, that and, and uh, you know, to know what he uh, that, that uh 
yeah, he and the Jedi had slipped. It, it all comes together. We're going to talk about the themes. But now when I just watch the, the fight, you know, um, that, that's part of what I take from it, too, and why it has bigger meaning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of last picture for me on on the current feelings and past feelings. I think part of the reason I like it as a lightsaber duel as well is it's not about like the individual beats. And sometimes I really like the clarity and being able to track the fights. Mm -hmm. I really like that for a lot of their lightsaber fight, we're pulled back and it isn't so much about the details. And in some ways Mm -hmm. that sells uh, Yoda's uh, stature and the shorter blade and the flipping and the kind of the different style of fighting yeah. it works really well because it's just kind of pulled back and, and operatic it's not like in, cl- in close tracking every little swing of the lightsaber yeah I agree with that I like that take awesome let's talk then about the characters and their souls what is at stake mm. in this fight uh, why are they fighting what is victory for each of them uh, do you want to start with Sidious or Yoda I, I got Yoda first, perhaps because he comes out on the losing end, so to speak. I don't know why. <laughs> Let's start uh, with Yoda. Why yeah. is Yoda fighting? What is it? What are his victory conditions? Yeah, I mean, to pick up a little bit where, where I was talking about the overall thing, it's like, you know, it's it's almost sad to watch from Yoda's point of view because, uh, you know, he kind of knows the Jedi had, had slipped and, and failed long before um, this fight even uh, begins. And, and this idea that what you're, the fact that you're fighting is you're already kind of losing. But he's trying. He's, he's saying the right words. He's just already lost, so it becomes sad. So in terms of what's at stake, I truly believe, uh, you know, I don't, I haven't spoken with Yoda, but I truly believe he's fighting for the galaxy of the Republic. I truly believe he's there for a last stand because he said, at an end, your rule is, and not short, of, short enough it was, is a pretty strong statement. Like, that's his <laughs> thesis statement there. He's mm-hmm. here to end it. And, and it isn't just a, snip, a snippy little comeback for him. It, it's why he's there. And uh, yes, there's this sense uh, and theme that they all lost a long time ago, but Yoda has to take this final shot to me. Um, it doesn't go the way. And when he says at the end, jumping at the end of this fight, when he tells Bail, you know, uh, I have to go into hiding because I failed. I'm not quoting Yoda exactly. Of course there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the overall failure. It isn't the failure, just the fight. Uh, it's that idea you and I've talked about is that just fighting, uh, just being part of all this and compromising was the failure. But uh um, I really truly believe he is taking a last stand because he feels that's what uh, has to happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that Yoda um, has this sort of clarity that we see earlier in the scene with Obi-Wan when they visit the Jedi Temple of like, this is one of the clear responsibilities of the Jedi. This is one of the reasons that we exist. Uh, the Sith, uh, man, many things can we can work with we can see how it goes we can listen to the fourth force the sith throw the the force out of balance they spread pain and trauma because they like it because it makes them more powerful they will blanket the galaxy in darkness the jedi exist to hold back the darkness they have to be stopped this Mm -hmm. is just sort of like this is his one of his primary responsibilities right to stop the sith and this is like the worst coming true the sith is literally the leader of the galaxy is about to take over. So I think there's this just sort of in the beginning, this great intent, this poise, this confidence, I'm here to save the galaxy period. And, you know, no try do or do not. I'm going to do it. Uh, But then I think underneath there is also this, it's almost happened. It's almost fallen. Um, And I'm, and I was complicit and I'm going to write my wrongs. You know, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Now that I knew everything that I was a part of, uh, I can still, I can still pull it out. <laughs> I can still yeah. pull a, a victory, you know, out of mm-hmm. this horrific situation. 
And I, I think that is a part of his, his uh, motivation, what he's fighting for mm. is to right his own wrongs in the clone wars, his blindness, his inaction, his just complicity with the war. Now that he knows it was all a trick. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's looking back and going wrong there, wrong there. Listen to Caddy Mundy too long there. And, uh, <laughs> And here we are. Yeah. And, and, and it's not hope in the sense of, uh, you know, twin sunsets and the wide open future and flowers and, and, and fireworks. It is this grim determination to fight for the light and fight for what's left of it uh, until until you can't until you have to look for another way. But, yeah, I think that's definitely where it begins. Yeah. And, and I think then I totally agree with you. The the more I watch Revenge of Sith, the more we watch different episodes of Clone Wars animated series. Uh, the failed I have is not just about the fight. It is about right. the entire Clone Wars, you know, and it isn't just, oh, I tried to kick his ass, uh, but I couldn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's that he just wanted to keep fighting forever, which is how we got the galaxy into this situation. I failed helping to get this galaxy in this situation. I'm not in the place. I'm not the person to right this wrong right now. I got to get out of here, yeah. you know? And I think uh, you can always have debates of, is, is that crystal clear in the film itself? Could it be clearer? Uh, and those debates are fine to have, but mm-hmm. uh, with the benefit of the Clone Wars animated series, that all comes out to me in, in Yoda's motivations. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and look, you know, we're not here to review individual films as much as connect it to the bigger story and larger themes. And and so I, I don't disagree with that. And that might have been why some of the, the fight didn't connect with me early on, because I, I probably thought he uh, he's talking about losing that fight. And, da, 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 you know, it's it's just bigger. It's bigger than that. And this fight, I love that you, how you'd phrase it. This is a, a save the galaxy moment. That's huge. That's everything mm-hmm. we built for. Uh, and, and it all falls on uh, Yoda in this moment here. But, yeah feeling that they've already lost you can't escape that yeah yeah so let's talk about Sidious <laughs> ah, good old Sheev. Oh, what's at stake for Darth Sidious I don't know go with me here this is one of those uh Ken has random thoughts things I I feel as though he's uh he feels as though he's already won right like mm-hmm. he kind of has whether that's bluster and hubris and confidence of course it's Palpatine it's it's the leader of the Sith here at this time um, so he's, he's got his prizes, the Republic. And as he tells Yoda, I got Anakin too. I want everything. Mm-hmm. I want, I want best dressed and best hair. <laughs> I got it all. Um, so I like that this fight is, is really personal and it's this final obstacle to clear. He's, he's a little surprised. Oh, Yoda, order 66 didn't get you. Hello. How are you? Thank you for destroying my guards. I think it starts that way. And then it's just kind of like, as with always this thing with Palpatine, he's got these detailed plans, but little wrinkles happen. And then he just rolls with it. Oh, you're alive. Great. Cause I have hated you for so long. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, personal uh, victories at stake here for Palpatine uh, outside the big ones that he already has. Yeah, no, I really agree with you. I think the, you know, straightforward uh, initiative uh, victory for Sheev is a, hey, don't get killed by Yoda (laughs) (laughs) right here at the victory point. Uh, Mm -hmm. Don't, I already, I already, you know, won the race. I just need to walk over there and get my trophy. Don't, (laughs) don't get killed now for sure. Don't, don't be stopped. Uh, But then I think it it, it is personal too, right? He's, he's been toying with Yoda for a long time uh there i think is that sort of so you survived it's a little bit of surprise and a little bit of like mm, good <laughs> yes right because then i can see you realize what a fool you've been i can end you i think there's great joy but 
there's also fear, right? Uh, yes. I think Sidious has a list of Jedi he fears and Yoda is way up there. I, I love mm-hmm. that thread with uh, Palpatine throughout the Star Wars storytelling that he is incredibly powerful. Uh, he know he understands others' fears and how it's a tool uh, to their, uh, you know, failure. Um, and I don't think he quite acknowledges how personally afraid of the Jedi and specific Jedi he is, you know? Right. I, I love that moment earlier on in this film where he says, the Jedi are relentless. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's so haunted. And then I love that we know in the sequel trilogy that, Palpatine is a puppeteering Snoke and everything is just about like if Luke Skywalker even looks at a kid he'll turn him in a Jedi and they'll come for me yeah <laughs> Luke Skywalker has to go um so I think he has a list of Jedi he truly fears in Yoda is way up there and I, I really liked that that beat is included he thinks it's going to be an easy quick kill he gets real joyful and then Yoda gets up and he gives him the push and then he's like oh no I'm out of here yeah yeah and that, yeah no, that is the moment. Yeah, no, I think it's it almost like, you know what, I'm out of here. I already got I already got my victories, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that fear runs deep. Yeah, because it's, it's different than, um, I think uh, there's uh, Kenobi's the zit on the chin that won't go away for him. Uh, the Jedi overall. Mace, he he probably didn't like, but but uh, gets the victory uh, one way or another earlier than this. So I think, yeah, Yoda's the big one. Yoda's the one who sat on so many Zoom calls with him. And he's just like, I hate that Yoda guy. And so uh, uh, I think I think that uh, a lot of times what you hate is what you either uh, fear or have jealousy for and other unresolved issues. It's a lesson for all of us. Don't be a Palpatine with your hate. Um, so I love the love that starting point there with him and Yoda. Yeah, and, and, and I think he is right to fear him because I think Yoda mm-hmm. does, does uh, you know, take it to him a lot in the battle. He has moments of he's cackling and then suddenly, whoop, nope, yeah. got to worry about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I think he's right to to fear Yoda, but I think his sort of uh, twisted perspective of like, uh, he, he is weak, he cares, he doesn't want to have constant mm-hmm. violence. Uh, and so he breaks off this battle, even though we're evenly matched. Like he sees a fool. Uh, I beat him on philosophical terms. I feel like that's what, you know, what he's mm-hmm. ending at. By the time he's been pushed uh, off the pod, he's, uh, you know, struggling to pull himself up and <laughs> cackling away, enjoying yeah. this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And him, him getting the chance to, to kill Yoda on the way out. It's, it's, it's that when you uh, go to a fast food restaurant and they accidentally throw a cheeseburger in the bag that you didn't order, you're like, well, <laughs> look at this. I'm winning in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would love some more Sidious storytelling um, of him obsessing on Yoda every once in a mm-hmm. while in those 19 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, really checking for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Uh, how do you think the environment helps tell the story or the thrill factor? <laughs> I think it just really adds to the weight of it and really tells the bigger story. And and there's some fun thrills to be had. But as mentioned earlier, I think there's just something really po- poetic about this fight, mostly taking place in the era area uh, in which Palpatine had to hide openly for so many years. Mm-hmm. And, and the same spot that he has declared his new empire. And yes, it even starts in his office. It's true inner sanctum where... I, I think he gets, he probably ha- was himself a little bit there. It's one of his offices, I know, um, mm-hmm. where he and Masameda could probably daydream about what's to come. And so it starts there. But just to, that that shot, everything about it, we'll get into some of the individual moments. But I think it just really adds to the weight of it, where 
I, I especially think early on when I'm watching this fight and he's cackling, and he's giggling, and I'm kind of like, what's going on here? And, and not liking all the, the, the some of the, the overall vibe in 2005. I think as I, I slowly pulled back, much like you said, the fight does, and you just kind of see the weight of everything that's, you know, the prequel era and the last three films and, and, and the Clone Wars series later on. It's just all, you feel it all in that chamber, and it's a great place for a fight. It's one of the, the, the most fun locations, I think, for a fight. Absolutely. I think this entire fight, the location of it is thrilling. I also think it is one of the least subtle and best metaphors in yes. all of Star Wars. It's just, it's, 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 it is, it is just telling the story. Yeah. It is walking into this chamber where Yoda probably had conversations with him before. Uh, and then the sight of this just out in the open Jedi versus Sith vicious battle ascending into the Senate, into the mm. place where uh, this is a place, in theory, of discourse and empathy and peace and justice. And he has turned it into a place of red tape and guilt and fear and suspicion. And now he can tear the tape he helped build apart yeah. and just hurl it, right? <laughs> just the, this is the smash cut from I love democracy to i'll throw a bleeping pot at you all day i don't yeah bleep and care you know it is just so um so powerful and and a cool visual right to to go from ooh, these floating senate pods are kind of a a cool design thinking back to 99 when people mm -hmm. you know who didn't like it at the time poked fun at like star wars is supposed to be thrilling and you're just watching a political debate right, right. <laughs> how do you like this we're throwing pods now yeah, we're throwing those damn pods around. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it works. And I, I mean, what you said, it's just it's it's not hidden. It's it's right there. This is what this is. This is the theme. This is the story. Uh, and can you connect to it or not is the big question. Yeah, if this is a story about institutions being corrupted from the inside and falling apart, here is the person who wants to corrupt it, and one of the people who swore to defend it. And not only they're tearing it apart, but you know the image of of Yoda, you know, trying to get up there, trying to ascend and, you know, falling again and again and just needing to stay down is yeah. powerful. So it's, it's meaningful and it's thrilling. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. a, we'll talk about it, but it's a great action moment to be chucking those pods around. <laughs> yeah. Good old pod chucking. <laughs> Little pod chucking. Um, and I also do like that it starts in the office. Like you can see it starting mm -hmm. in the Senate chamber, but the, the ascension is so great. And it's also just, really fun to just like what were uh what were palpatine and masamita going over is this it's when just, they were looking at you know specs for imperial outfits yes yes <laughs> i really think so i really think there's a lot of that there masamita being one who kind of is always on the inside and and how much does he know and all those kind of things i love and um yeah there's something about it that's that's great that's because again palpatine thinks he's one so all right let, what do you think about these shades of gray like yes <laughs> that's what he'd be doing is he turning to Masamita like, have I ever told you about Exegol? Um, <laughs> Yoda breaks up the uh, the Imperial planning meeting. Yep. Pretty great. Yep. Uh, what realities of filmmaking do you think about when you watch this fight, about how and when it was made and how it fits into the big picture, all that stuff? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, the, the reality of the digital Yoda is a good reality in this fight. Mm -hmm. I think this fight is underrated in terms of how it looks. I think, obviously, uh, understandably, a lot of focus on the Attack of the Clones thing, which was a big leap forward in tech and, and, and Yoda. Uh, but there's just, there's, you know, there's so many effects in it uh, and, and the action kind of drives the whole sequence for me, but Yoda, I think just looks great here. Um, 
are you always going to want to make little tweaks here along the way with tech? Yeah, of course. But I think this fight just is smooth. Uh, and and in and a, and a film series and a film that is, you know, sometimes maligned for blue screen and CGI and that, this is not looking real. And some of that, uh, some of those critiques do hit for me and are correct. Uh, this one, I've never felt that. Even when I didn't necessarily love this fight, um, I think it always kind of looked good. And it's just, you know, I think of the reality of, of, the, of, of Lucas saying, make it all digital as much as we can. I, I think it really was one of the, the moments where it sings. Yeah, I think it it really sings. We talked a little bit about the tension in the Palpatine versus Mace fight earlier in the film between just letting it be close-ups with uh, McDermott and Samuel L. Jackson's great action and, and trying to add the CG elements and how well do they mix. This one, I feel like, really nails it, right? The, um, the lightsaber fight to me looks great uh, because it's mostly from afar and it, it's really letting you feel the environment in the space and the meaning of it. And then you get those just great close-ups of <laughs> yeah. McDermott's uh, twisted, uh, terrifying face. And when I watch it, I really do think about like just how great the Yoda work is. There's a lot of complex emotions from determination mm-hmm. to fear, to shock, to disgust, to just like eh, uh, everything. And I've loved all of the stuff that I, I believe Rob Coleman has posted about like uh, clinging himself to, uh, to ledges mm. to, to mm. get the reference <laughs> wow. for Yoda's face. And, and that's always been so effective to me. The sound effects of Yoda's mm. fingernails are like, they always go straight to my heart of, yeah. you know, it's not just about the fight. It's clinging to everything he's known and he mm. can't do it anymore. It's, so uh well done from the cgi to the sound effects everything the only thing in in this fight that is a bump for me and always has been is uh (laughs) a thing that i don't think has any cgi in it and it's a palpatine's chair flip (laughs) (laughs) i i watched that three times this morning what what is it? This is great because uh, I'm kind of with you, but also it's one of my favorite moments because it's so awkward. It is so awkward. It is like uh, I don't need a special edition, but if there was one, I'd be like, Maybe that might be a moment to look at. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the speed, right? Like everything is working to me with the CGI that mm, they're doing, the mm. way they're shooting it, the the combination of the close ups. Um, and obviously CGI stuff like you got the like the great shot of the zoom in on Yoda's face as the lightning is about to hit him. And then we kind of have the reverse, right? When Yoda raises his hand up, there's the rush of, of force energy whooshing yeah. that we hear uh, Palpatine's face looks so alarmed and he flies backwards and then like kind of slowly manages to barely kind of roll over a chair and it, you get, you, it, it feels to me like a shot that has absolutely been inserted like, at the wrong, like it, to me, that's just a total like, ooh, almost, but take it again. It's the tempo. It needs, it, <laughs> it, the tempo, how far, it, how how powerful Yoda's push was does yep. not match the way he slowly kind of tumbles over the chair. He looks more like somebody who got drunk at a toga party than somebody who got force pushed by a Jedi master. Uh, I, I agree. I think, dare I say, that George should have said his own famous words, faster and more intense, and done it again. <laughs> Uh, I think yeah. it is. And, and there's one little beat again. This is, uh, uh, you know, done with with love. 
after that, and then Palpatine like almost pops up like it's a clear, almost bad straight to VHS edit for me. Like, and this is a I'm, I don't want to go too deep into insulting it, but like you know what I mean? Like he pops up like again. I'm just like, well, that wasn't. <laughs> I know it wasn't you, but that wasn't you. <laughs> it was really not him. No, and at this point, like many things that I'm sometimes unsure about, like it is not going to hang me up and stop me from enjoying the rest of the scene, the rest of the film, the ideas yeah. behind it. And it even gets to that point where, like, eh, I, I criticize it, but I also enjoy it. <laughs> well, I, part of the reason I enjoy it is it's a little bit of the sound. You're right. There's this big epic feel, the music swelling, the lightning, the force. And the, suddenly it is just the sound of a stunt performer hitting a chair. And it's very real. I think it's also just like the choreography. There's something just sort of like so real and slapstick. And, you know, like uh, uh, the the bad version of, of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah. Dick Van Dyke is a master. If they had got Dick Van Dyke in 2005, you know, at his age, he could have sold the hell out of that. I think it's just something about like the the beginning. The Yoda pushes him, and it feels like it should be epic. Like like mm-hmm. Palpatine's back should crash into the wall, and the wall should crack a little bit, and he could slides down a little bit and yeah, stands yeah, yeah. up, kind of crooked, mm-hmm. and some bones, uh, you know, cracking, and just like that feels like what it should be. And instead, it feels like, oops, I didn't know this chair was here when I backed up. Like. It's the it's the combination of this sort of like intent. Yeah, look, we could say Palpatine's being pushed into the very bureaucracy that he created for the galaxy. Yes. To, you know, you could do all that. <laughs> we could have themes, but I think at the end of the day, here's why I think uh, it might uh, you know run up against you here. You see Palpatine's pants, and that's just too real. I f- always imagine as he's going over that chair, Palpatine going, "Whoops, a daisy!" <laughs> like, it's oh, the whoops, a daisy energy. He's got some dockers from Kohl's. Good job, Papa. <laughs> this is why he and Masamita need to be talking about new outfits, right? Yeah, yes, yes. I'm I'm going to go with a straight robe. Uh, I'm going to go with a robe. Very airy. No pants. I didn't know this was going to happen to my face. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it is fun every once in a while to talk about the moments that maybe don't sing uh, for us. And that one shot is the one thing that doesn't <laughs> sing. Honestly, everything else, all the CGI stuff, every other beat in this works great for me. I'm with you on that. And I'm one who sometimes get caught, gets caught up on those little things. I, I'm still slightly pissed that Mace clearly steps on a floor and not dirt on Geonosis and, and attack the clones, right? I still think about that. I go to bed thinking about that. But uh, no, this fight, uh, I think, uh, deserves a lot of credit. Really looks and uh, speaking of moments we like, let's talk about some of our favorite moments of thrill or emotion, just favorite beats in the fight. Where do you go? Player Yoda has entered the game. Oh, he, my Lord. He tosses those... Uh, Royal Guards. The applause break in the theater for for me in 05 uh, was amazing. It was it was an absolute applause break. Not standing out, but applause break. Oh, yeah. And, and the film knows it because there's that pause, right? There's a little bit of that like, yep, I just did that. Just did that. <laughs> Took your Kenner Royal Guard figures and I threw them against the wall. It's, it, it, for me, it's just how casual it is. It just is like you are not part of this conversation. You know, mm-hmm. log off the Zoom call. You're not part of this. It's so great how casual it is. Yeah, and, the and how much they're just totally out of it. Yeah. Oh, done, done, right? And the power in it. And 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 talking about, you know, here's Yoda, the this nice old wise Jedi trying to do the good thing. And he's he's there for business, going to what we're talking about, but the themes leading into it. This is why he's here to fight for the galaxy. And here's here's what I got. Uh, uh here's what uh, my my skill chart is, is showing you right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is, that's a big one uh, for me. Uh, 
I think my my second one on my list, Ken, is the the amazing uh, Sidious dialogue. Maybe some people don't like it, but you know I've been looking forward to this for a long time. My little green friend, <laughs> uh, it's so slow and low and beautifully evil and mm-hmm. over the top all at the same time. It is just relishing it, right? Yes. Uh, I even go to uh, what we were talking about earlier of Master Yoda. You survived. And it, it's just, it's, again, showing he's rolling with the punches, but he gets to get what he wants, uh, you know, and he's having a Sheev's very good day. Uh, <laughs> and I love it. And 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 we go again to the, the unlimited power of it all is that he is this big gothic villain who is just free. He's Free. He's dancing in the hills and in, in a field of grass and a field of gold. This is the feeling in his heart, and it shines through. and And I think uh, the dialogue is 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 peak Palpatine. Not not quite Return of the Jedi. No one get out, out of your seats, but it's it's peak Palpatine. Palpatine. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that is a part of what this character is. That's what mm-hmm. I love about Palpatine. That he is this very real world evil. This uh, these political machinations, uh, seeing people's fear and manipulating it and turning it against them, and also you know having this absolutely cynical and nihilistic. Everybody's just out for themselves, and anybody who doesn't uh, admit it is just a liar. Mm-hmm. Uh, combined with just evil cackling space wizard out of British pantomime. And I really like both sides of him. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it all. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some other uh, favorite moments of uh, Palpatine or poor Yoda? Well, I I was going to say Masamita. Uh, Masamita going, (laughs) um, you know, I have paperwork to do. Bye. I've got to file all the uh, requisitions for uniforms. I'm out of here. And he just doesn't come back until it's it's over. When he's like, there's no body. He's not dead. Keep looking. Like, yeah, you're a real tough guy. You, you, You bolted. You let your boss have his time, I guess. Yeah, what I absolutely love about that is the way it's cut, you could probably just cut back to the office and Masamita isn't there, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But we cut back and Masamita's like, okay, not my thing, not my problem. I'll yeah. be down here. I'll get a coffee. Watching him leave is really funny. Yeah, really funny there. I also enjoy the the evil dead point of, uh, view, uh, point of lightning view shot. I, I, <laughs> I think that's really effective. And it's something that's slightly different from other parts of Star Wars uh, in, in a way. And, and therefore, just kind of, I've always loved that one there. Yeah, that one's really great. Um, I do like the moment where uh, Yoda leaps and stops uh, Sidious from leaving when Sidious uh, realizes it's not going to be as easy to take him out as he Mm -hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. Um, I love whenever Yoda in his uh, wonderful, uh, weird cadence sentence structure just says (laughs) a tough guy line. (laughs) Yes. If so powerful you are, why leave? And then I really like the choice that the animators did of like, we did this super great call the lightsaber to his hand mm-hmm. in attack mm-hmm. the clones so what can we do different and just having him grab it is great uh having his uh, robes underneath be that his little brown action jumpsuit right yeah. <laughs> but what really gets me which i've come to uh focus on and appreciate even more is the little flip in his hand right yes. that he's got it hanging upside down and he grabs it and just does a little flip in his hand mm-hmm mm-hmm got style it's good style he surely does, and that is a moment of style. Uh, what are what are some more moments for you? I think it leads to some of the bigger stuff we were talking about. Uh, and again, I love your note of a lot of this is pulled back, but but the dueling while the chancellor, uh, uh, little chancellor uh, Deus uh, rises, uh, it's a great great use of the setting, great just uh, the thematic use of of the setting. But it, it just I don't know. I've always loved it. 
uh, and and how it as you know because we got we got we, obviously we're going to talk about a Hennigan and Kenobi they're fighting that 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 fight's picking up steam and this is kind of um, the final chapter here of the movie and just the fact that it's in the office and it's this little fight and people are being tossed over chairs and lightning and all of a sudden it just they're going at it there with the blades and it just opens up and they start going into the Senate chamber. I just really think it's a wonderful epic moment. It's, it's really befitting star Wars. It's just giant. It's, it, it, it's something that I have always loved again. And when you're talking about, Hey, back in 05, I didn't like a lot of the stuff. There's always those little things that are in your heart. You're like, Ooh, but that, that moment was cool. And that's why I always say lean into those moments and you'll find a pathway to greater joys within these stories and in these sequences and in these fights. And uh, I've always loved that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was really appreciating this morning that that specific shot. They they played really far back, so you can see, you know, this the empty Senate in the the red and the green, you know, uh, cracking together. It's really really powerful for all the reasons we talked about. So that is one of my favorite shots, and and probably my favorite part of the actual lightsaber fight uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the throwing of the pods, which I want to be sure to talk about just as an action scene. Uh, because it is thrilling. It is, it's meaningful and everything, but they're just some like great action beats, some great takes. I, yeah. I love that Palpatine's not, he's not concentrating, right? He's not like kind of grabbing mm. one and throwing it. He's got that like, that almost windmill energy with his arms, right? He's got yes. that like, I'm just going to do this with my arms. And if you walk into it, that's your problem kind of energy. <laughs> Lisa and Bart Simpson fighting. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Got it's it. just the, this one, this one. I don't even care. I don't, who was that the ET's pod? I <laughs> was at the Wookiee's pod. I don't care. Just, you know, there it is. It's abandoned. It's yeah. glee, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like we talked about. Um, and then I've always liked the Yoda stopping the one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and getting the spin going, getting the spin going, you know, like, I don't know why that makes it a more devastating projectile, uh, but it does. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot to this fight that reminds me of a, of a great video game sequence. And I never recalled playing the Revenge of the Sith video game. I remember seeing it. I know, I know that's pretty popular uh, for folks there at the time there. Uh, so I don't know how accurate it is to the, the movie, the, the, the video game sequence, but I love that sequence. I love the spinning. I love the time. And I love that Palpatine kind of is just, He's watching it and he's still kind of surprised by it. He has that weird kind of awkward mm-hmm. leap, but there's something I love about it. He's just like, ah, what do you do? Oh, gra- oh crap. Uh, so I just, uh, I, I, I love that moment too. It's something, the spin is, uh, you can just feel him pressing the X button. <laughs> you got to get it going fast enough and then whoosh. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's pretty great. Um, final thing for me is that, that final, uh, the final beat between them. I love that Yoda has been holding onto his lightsaber, jumps up in that final burst of Sith lightning, uh, takes it out, right? Yeah. And it's it for me, it is this like, oh, what if they both had lightsabers or did they fight with their canes since I was a kid? And kind of getting back to the end of this fight of it is just the two of them without blades. Yoda losing his blade is, I think, uh, symbolic. Mm-hmm. And I think this last moment is just really, really well done to show them being truly evenly matched right the way they both explode mm-hmm. out um and mm-hmm. palpatine's response is to to be alarmed but then cackle like okay great uh, i'm still alive and the fight can keep going poor yoda and his yeah <laughs> you know centuries old body pounding on those huh. uh, those senate pods he's obviously in pain but it's also just this contrast to um this is great we're evenly matched and this fight could go on for a super long time and sidious is like great mm. You know, mm-hmm. and Yoda just sees like the pain and the horror. And I feel like that that is sold. That storytelling is to me in the film sold in the way that it's totally evenly matched and then it just explodes, you know, yeah. 
and one is happy to re-engage and Yoda's just like, no, this is yeah. not what it's about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Any other beats that you wanted to discuss? It's the final one and, and it flows nicely into what we're going to keep talking about here, but the nails, the nails of Yoda holding on to mm. the fight and you kind of mm. mentioned it, holding on to the fight, holding on to the Republic, the past, the Jedi order, his way of life. And it's over. It's always been over, and and he falls, and kind of just knows the moment he hits the ground. It's it's interesting that you bring um, up the details of Rob Coleman trying to get the face right, but even just the the digital work they do with Yoda, like it reads on his face the moment he hits the ground. Kind of what you're saying, this fight could go on. It, it just shouldn't at this point. We have to. Uh, there's a there has to be another way, and we failed. Uh, it all kind of reads, and it comes down to those nails, and we all feel it. We all mm -hmm. feel that scrape and that strain. <laughs> and it, uh, it's not quite nails on a chalkboard, but it's that same type of like, oh, it's just it's 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 a really visceral moment. I love it. Yeah, yeah, the nails are great, and uh, yeah, I got so excited. We did bleed a little bit into uh, the final thing I wanted to talk about is I wanted to be sure to ask you because I know it is it's come up uh, back in the day when I was doing the Star Wars counseling episodes. Uh, certainly heard fans wonder about it. Of like, it seems like Yoda was holding his own and he has to stop this Sith Lord to save the galaxy. Why didn't he get up even with the pain and keep fighting? Uh, and I want to be sure to, to ask you how you feel about that. Do you feel what's, what's in the film works, makes sense, all those things? Uh, it does work for me. It's so real. It's so sad. I talked about that earlier, just kind of knowing the big picture when you're watching the fight. You get the you get kind of this weird joy from Palpatine's glee, but it's just sad for for Yoda that that he is taking this last stand because he because he has to, and it does connect to some of those themes. They already lost; they lost years ago, and so this even isn't just even um, as simple as there are alternatives to fighting. This is damn; it's even worse than we imagined, and we can't win now. We just can no longer fight. It just can't happen. And I think that's part of the reason he's not scampering away like uh, I couldn't do it. I think he could absolutely find a way to get back in there. But like you said, they're evenly matched. But it's the big picture. It's the overall feeling of what's going on. Uh, mind you, you know, Order 66 has happened. Uh, they've got a lot of death and destruction going on. So um, uh, it's not just uh, running away. It is this uh, idea that uh, this is what has to happen right now. And this is uh, a long time coming, unfortunately. And Yoda feels the weight of it. Yeah, I think so, too, too, too. I think, you know, the battle being evenly matched in general and in particular in that last, you know, shot of, you know, it's not just evenly matched. We're, we're watching, you know, a sporting match and like, oh, wow, they, they have the same points. It's like, what is Yoda doing when Sidious is blasting that lightning? He's absorbing all of that rage and anger and glee for violence and trying to convert it into light right yeah because uh, i mean that's kind of the way i i don't know the the technicality of it i don't know what yoda has mastered over the years but like in attack the clones he deflects uh, some sith lightning but then he grabs a bunch of it and he kind of turns it into a white ball of energy and just absorbs it right that's mm. a little bit what's happening here of like he's absorbing it like uh into me that feels like I am answering the darkness with with light. I'm turning all of this hate into, I'm negating all this hate, right? Mm. Um, so the fact to me that it's, he's just being pummeled, yeah. <laughs> uh, not with just an attack, but with just violence that takes something from his soul mm -hmm. to do what he's doing, right? That's not just a force power, that's his soul. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, and that image to me is so symbolic of the trap of the Clone Wars, of... I can find a logic that this is defense, but the reality is it's just endless violence. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So to me, that is really, really powerful and, and helps sell the whole big picture idea. Um, I think there's also, I also love the, the cloak shot, right? Um, yeah. yeah. It, when he just sees the cloak and just like, uh, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to, to step away, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying any of this is in the film, but this is my kind of Yoda headcanon. Like, I, I'm sure he's hurting, right? But he's also yeah. thinking like, what happens if I get back up there? Eventually, but a bunch of clones are going to come and I'm going to start slaughtering them. Like I slaughtered all those clones to get in the Jedi temple. Not my first choice. Doesn't feel good. Didn't want to do that. They're pawns. And I had to slaughter them to get into the Jedi temple. But what am I going to do? Just this is what I want to do. Stay here and just yeah. keep killing. You know, I, I feel like to me that that is a part of what's going on in his head. And then just seeing that cloak and just realizing like, this is my opportunity to step away and then figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. And, and yeah, leads us the bigger stuff, the exile and all that kind of stuff. But it makes me think of, you know, wars not make one great, all those kind of, bigger philosophies that are always in always have been in Yoda, but he gets it even, even going to the end to attack the clones, but it, it, it's all, it's all of it in front of him, right? He's seen it all in those moments. And especially with the, the Jedi cloak flying down, peacefully flying down in the middle of all this chaos and destruction. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, he, he, it's a really great, he's been stripped of everything. He's lost his lightsaber. He's lost his robes. He's lost sort of all of his, his symbolism because everything has, has fallen. Everything's been stripped from him. Um, I think that's really powerful. And I do think the, the um, great Yoda arc that we talk about a lot at the end of season six of Clone Wars is really powerful. Like Palpatine knows the way to break Yoda is to keep him fighting, is to turn Yoda's commitment to to defending the galaxy from the Sith into hatred of the Sith so that he keeps fighting. Uh, and that when that doesn't work in this vision that Palpatine is causing, Palpatine himself says, we failed to break Master Yoda. Right. And I think that ties really well into this scene where Yoda is not, you know, not falling into the trap again. Yeah, no, I think it's a great connection to that. Awesome. So we are going to wrap up our discussion of this duel by giving it a lightsaber rating. So Ken, out of mm. 10 lightsabers fully ignited, how many lightsabers do you personally give this fight? I here, I, I go 7.5. I'm going to stick with this. 7.5, <laughs> which again, just seems bad. We're in an era where, you know, you, you, you got to go eight or nine and otherwise it's not a classic and you have to throw it out. 7.5 because it's, it's a little short. It's not a long fight. It's, it's full of some crazy moves, but not a ton. Uh, but it packs such a punch and such an emotional weight. And it's played opposite against perhaps one of the biggest fights in the saga. And so it can get overlooked a little bit. And But it doesn't need to be better or bigger than that fight. It needs to do what it needs to do. And I think it does. So it's a 7.5. Yeah, no, I think that is a really, really good. Uh... Good, good rating. Uh, you are continuing to make smart use of uh, decimal points. <laughs> <laughs> I gave this one a straight up seven out of ten because, mm-hmm. with the exception of the enjoyable absurdity of the uh, chair flip, uh, mm-hmm. I love every shot of this. I love uh, all the ideas. I love the uh, Senate setting in the pod throwing. But when I really look at it, it's I like the lightsaber fight. <laughs> I like the pulling out of the blades, uh, but the lightsaber fight stuff is not the stuff that I love about this scene. So if I'm rating lightsaber duels with lightsabers, I got to go a little lower. So I go seven out of 10. Yeah, no, that's great. And look, I I just, you know, got a lot of my digital media start in in a movie review capacity where your 0.5s and your 0.75s make a difference. (laughs) And I just spent too many, too many years in that world. I'm glad I'm out of it, but I use them still. 
no, I totally, totally understand. And and yeah, we uh, we don't normally do the ratings. It just kind of felt like a good way to kind of put them in context. Yeah. And uh, absolutely, absolutely subjective. And it's, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun, not fact. Yeah, no such thing as a definitive ranking of uh, lightsaber fights, as far as I'm concerned, because everyone has a different definitive, and that is just fine. In fact. That's great. Uh, and with that, we are going to take a quick break and we're going to get back into a very epic duel. Obi-Wan versus Anakin. Or is it Vader? Or is it both? We'll be back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
And we are back with part five of Magic of Lightsaber Fights, and we are getting to a big one. I think one that is intended by the creative team to be, perhaps, the biggest ever. The showdown, the epic clash between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. This fight begins at one hour, 47 minutes, and ends at uh, two hours and one minute. It is only intercut with Yoda Insidious Battle and Yoda's Escape, and it's divided up into seven different scene chunks <laughs> Ken what are your current feelings on this fight have they changed over the years it sounds like uh it sounds like they have yeah no I think this is um sometimes all I'll put on you know if I got time for 30 minutes of Star Wars it's like ooh, to Mustafar we go uh I'll, I'll pop I'll pop it on not just the fight but kind of last 30 40 minutes of the of the film uh, I, I love that uh, I love this whole thing and this this egg anchors all that uh, it does, and I think always did, uh, minus some little details uh, rubbing up against me back in the day. But it always has lived up to the expectations that I had since I read that uh, Return of the Jedi novel in 83. That's where little Kenny first learned about some lava planet and some big fight on you know, molten lava and all that stuff. And, and, and the excitement I saw in the trailers to get to it here, um, I think it worked. And again, there's little beats and lines that, that gave me problems then, don't really bother me now. And yes, it's a, a common refrain for us when talk, discussing the prequels. Um, but, and I don't want that to hide anything that uh, isn't perfect, including maybe the handling of, of Padme's death and all that kind of stuff in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always bigger discussions to have, but it's also just the truth. It's, it's just like uh, you see it. And even a, even a, a, a line, you know, uh, your new empire, which I might've joked coming out of the theater or something. Oh five. It's just, it's star Wars. It's part of the fabric. And, and I can see why someone who, who sat down to watch these movies in 99, 02, and 05 and had no real frame of reference to the old ones, just loved this stuff and took it the same way we did in our generation. I get it. It's big Star Wars. This entire sequence is wonderful, large, epic Star Wars. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I think um, I think I loved this fight when it first came out, but I had some bumping up against my expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about trying to engage with the story you're presented with, uh, being careful of not just disliking something because it isn't exactly what you imagined. I had such anticipation <laughs> yeah. for this fight in particular. I think I, I, I was saying on an earlier episode about how I kept telling people, like, you got to check out Revenge of the Sith, even if you didn't like the the first two, because Ewan McGregor is the best person who's ever fought with a lightsaber, and he's going to fight Anakin for, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I watched, you know, all the uh, behind-the-scenes clips. Um, I think there was, like, I think I'd already seen uh a part of the cut uh, of the fight that ended up being cut where Anakin loses his lightsaber. So Mm -hmm. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, frustrated. Like I didn't see the thing that I thought I was going to be in there. Uh, Even down to the day, the day I saw revenge of the Sith, um, I was doing children's theater. Uh, I was doing a production of Charlotte's web. I was playing Templeton, the rat, and I had three shows. I got up at probably like 5 AM that day it had three shows, you know, the day that was going to be the midnight release. And there's a part of that show uh, where I had to hide in this little tiny crawl space under the stage, waiting to pop up out of a trap door to be Templeton the rat. And I was under a stage getting ready to be a rat, just thinking about this lightsaber fight. 15 full minutes. It's going to be so good. I had 
so much anticipation and it affected the way I saw it, you know? Yeah. Hey, look, and it's fun to have those expectations. We don't deny that at all. Uh, yeah. And again, you know, from 83 to seeing a trailer going, Oh my God, we're finally, I told you all, I didn't dream it. There's a lava planet. That's where they fight. Yeah. That's a lot of expectations. Yeah. And I think the thing that I was surprised to be, um, you know, uh, upset about is it was so fast. <laughs> mm, yeah. It, and I think I've had conversations with, with other people too. It's like, um, you know, both lightsabers being blue, the, the speed causing them to have like a lot of blur and a lot of glow that I think the first time I, I saw it, I was expecting it to be like 15 minutes of the uh, Obi-Wan versus Maul phrase that I like mm. so much where it's so clear what's happening. And as I've watched it over the years, it has become much clearer and I can enjoy individual moments that we'll talk about. But I was just sort of gobsmacked in the theater that it was so fast that I didn't feel like yeah. I could track it in the detail. And that's one of the things that, you know, ultimately it was their intent. It's what's so impressive about it. It's so fast and it's really them doing it, you know? Right. But right. this is one of those times where a creator came up with something. They delivered exactly what they intended to create. They uh, delivered exactly what they told me they were going to do. And then I made up something different in my mind and I bumped up against it. And it happens to us. It certainly does. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciate it even more now for what it is, that it's epic. It's fast. It's fury. It's the culmination of the Clone Wars. This is where all that violence led just, you know, mm -hmm. a, a hellscape and trauma. And final thing I'll say, big picture. Uh, I always liked the high ground. I liked it back in the day. And I like it today mm. as we sit here. Yeah. Were you challenged by the high ground back in the day? I was, I was challenged after I saw the film a few times because uh, people told me to be challenged. Mm. You know what I mean? It became yep. a joke. It became something. It wasn't that silly. So I just went, hey, yeah, it was totally silly. <laughs> and I never really stopped to really, you know, analyze what what was there and what I liked about it. Cause I didn't walk out going of all the things in that movie. I didn't walk out going. And then he said the high ground. Uh, but then I uh, heard people did and I felt a peer pressure. Mm, I understand. I understand it is easy to do. I just, I, I, it always made sense to me that you didn't, I didn't want Obi-Wan to just be like, ah, uh, I got an opening and I hack one limb and <laughs> then another and then another. Like right. I wanted it to be clear and tactical and character based. And that's what that allowed, you know, mm -hmm. and I always liked it because it allowed it to be about the perspectives of the characters and not just vicious violence from Obi-Wan. I mean, it's vicious violence, but it's yeah. not like, it's not the danger of doing like the uh, Monty Python. It's just a flesh wound mm -hmm, <laughs> joke mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by slowly taking one limb after another. Yeah. 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 No, uh, you know, and, and, and this is a different conversation, but it goes to even the, I hate sand moment, which uh, becomes such a joke and, and it's fun and, you know, clips and drops and everything that you can use from that. I get it. But that there's so much to the, that sequence and so much to Padme and Anakin and how they view the world. Right. That's so much in that. Um, wrapped up in, I don't know, maybe a, an awkward line delivery to from a certain point of view. I don't even know if that's accurate anymore, especially for this film. But um, yeah, so it's, it's a weird relationship we have that where, where the, the zeitgeist takes over and uh, moves far away from what's intended and what is actually there becomes something else. Yeah, I'm just going to put a big asterisk here uh, about our sand conversation because I almost launched into some thoughts and feelings, but we have plenty to talk about. Uh, maybe we should do a scene by scene of that scene because oh, I, I, I think, 
it is a different it's it is different things in the sand scene that make people obsess on the sand thing and mm-hmm. yeah the sand thing is fun i i like that fans who legitimately like the prequels have embraced it as a as a fun thing mm-hmm. um all right, I am going to cut myself off from talking <laughs> about sand, and we are going to move on to the characters. What's at stake? Why are they fighting? What is victory for Obi Wan in Anakin slash Vader? Okay, this is this is yeah, a big one. Yeah, yeah. So, would you like to start with uh, Anakin slash Vader, or would you like to start with Obi Wan? Um, dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. Where you want to go? Let's go. Let's go with Anakin okay. Vader, and and I'll, you know what? I'm also going to throw this in. When you think about this fight, when you talk about this fight, what do what do you think of this character? Is he Anakin? Is he Vader? What is that distinction to you at this point in time? That's a great question because he technically already has the name, right? He's got the business cards. Uh, that's that's what we know. <laughs> it's on the action figures of this yep. fight. That's mm-hmm. an action figure of Darth Vader. Yeah, so technically right, but I I still kind of see it as um, I see it as uh, 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 Vader struggling to take hold over Anakin, maybe uh, it, it's still more Anakin. Cause I'll, t- I'll tell you why the big, and, and this is also the first viewing of this fight since the Kenobi series for me. Mm. And there's a new added wrinkle and weight to it, right? There's a Absolutely. new emotional gut punch to it. I don't believe Anakin's words. Like I know he's saying them and I know he wants to believe them, uh, but more now than ever, I just feel he's so just lying to himself about everything. As he tries mm-hmm. to wrestle with it. So that's why I, I, I still see a lot of Anakin in this fight. Yeah. I think he's proclaimed to Sidious mm-hmm. that he's Vader. He's trying to tell Padme he's still Anakin, but he's not Anakin. But Anakin's yeah. not right. You yeah. know, uh, I think he's trying to prove to Obi-Wan that he's Vader and that he doesn't care about anything. But, you know, I think it is. I think it's so great to have that shot earlier on where, you know, he is embracing the dark side. He did awful things at the Jedi temple. He is absolutely letting go of fury of finally taking out these separatists who've, you know, harmed him and harmed Padme and harmed his clone friends. And then he still has that moment where the the tear comes right where he knows it's wrong. He knows it's wrong. Yeah. You know? And, And I think, uh, that's all to say that I really, really agree with you. I think that he is he is trying so hard to be Vader. That's what he wants out of this fight is to prove, prove, prove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's bluster. Yeah, and that tear that it's it's still still all empty. I'm empty inside. Oops, that didn't work. Uh, and that's the way this kind of story goes, right? And so uh, you should kind of feel that there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think he I think he is just totally uh, obviously. Um, choking Padme is awful. It's one of the most mm-hmm. awful things in, in, uh, in star Wars, uh, that, that we have see a character do right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to turn something that somebody to turn against somebody you, you profess to be doing this off of or because you love is so awful. And I think that it, the moment that he's capable of that, he is really in the throes of the dark side, right? Yeah. He is yeah. in what Yoda and Obi-Wan and others have described as like, you take a step down that path and pretty soon it's dominating your destiny. And I think he is just really, really uh, in the clutches. And I think what's at stake in this fight is obviously he wants to win. He, he doesn't, he wants to strike Obi-Wan down. Uh, he doesn't want to be struck down by Obi-Wan. There's the actual like straightforward uh, fighting, but I, the word prove just comes yeah. to my mind again and again, right? He wants to uh, prove that he is the most 
powerful. He wants to prove that his choice to join the dark side was the right one. He wants to prove anyone who has ever doubted him or held him back like Obi-Wan is wrong. Prove he is the most powerful. Uh, Prove that his lies are true, right? Like when he says later in the fight, um, I should have known the Jedi are taking over. Like Mm -hmm. how does he square that with going to Mace and saying, hey, uh, Palpatine is a Sith Lord. He needs to be arrested, right? He didn't see anything that proved that the Jedi were taking over. He just leaned into that lie because it's what gives him, uh, mm. you know, cover for all the horrible choices he's making. So I, I really think you're right to point out the lies. He's trying to prove that he can sort of just force his the worldview that makes him justify his actions that he can uh, violently map it onto everything and make it be true it is a giant tantrum yeah and, and i i think there's a lot of energy that connects to kylo and his story without a doubt and and even going to the force awakens traitor line you know all that stuff but even i think mm-hmm. of uh, a lot of last jedi energy of of uh you know destroy the past kill if you have to if just like i have this horrible pain and the only way i can get through it is is to uh is to control it and and, and it just kind of connects uh, thematically and, and energy wise. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, any other Anakin Vader thoughts? Do you have a preference whether we call him Anakin or I, Vader? <laughs> I, I call him Anakin and yeah, no, look, I, I have, I, I think I have a lot here. I mean, it's, it, 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 yes, it is about his anger, his lust for power, but you just, this, this sake, you were touching about just what's at stake is, is his sense of control, right? His mm-hmm. idea of I can fix anything that challenges me. And that's how, He'll feel safe and we'll feel safe. I thought of this fight, uh, watching it alone there. I've been thinking a lot about young Anakin lately. Just, I thought a lot about little Annie, if you will, uh, and her, a character so confident, so helpful, so joyful, joyful. And then over the course of these films, piece by piece, everything is peeled away and, and the fear and attachment build and build just as he gets more and more powerful, you know, the sliding scale there almost more power, more skills and more fear, more attachment it all kind of leads to this. And he can't go back. He feels he can't just say, I'm sorry, he's hurt Padme. The reason he grabbed all of his power, he is now the one who's hurt, hurt her. Uh, he's, and he's a scared little boy fighting to go back to a place where he can't get hurt. That's, that's to me what I say. I just want to go to a safe spot to, that, that I can control. And, and, and for him, it's controlling it all. And that line he says to Padme, because I love the preamble of this fight. If only he and Padme could rule the galaxy, then nothing mm-hmm. bad could happen to them. To me, that is a nine-year-old boy who had his life upended and and and, and with, with some purpose in which what he wanted. And that was his dream. And then all these things happen. And there's a lot of people who failed him. And then he made a lot of choices from that. It's all there. And it's, it's all at stake. I think it's also interesting to note uh, that Palpatine senses he's in danger long before the fight is over right mm-hmm. he isn't mm-hmm. like oh he just got his ass kicked he's on the shores and i think over the years i've i've messed that sequence up in my head mm-hmm. you know where like palpatine's like ooh, 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 let's get a team uh, uh anakin uh, excuse me vader's on the shores uh, burning no it's way before that the conflict mm-hmm. fear everything he's palpatine's picking up on his his precious toys in trouble yeah, no, I love that. You said a lot of great things here. I, I love the idea of control. Uh, I love that he says to Padme, make things the way we want them to be, right? 
that is such a like it's so understandable for somebody who's gone through a lot of trauma like we won't have to hide our marriage we can have our kids i can protect and save anybody i want to any injustice that i think is happening i can just get my lightsaber out and i can control it but it also sounds petulant it sounds like mm-hmm. <laughs> ice cream for dinner and uh, mean people get put in prison and it sounds yeah. very childish you know anybody who crosses me um and i think you're so right to point out that control and and some of that that insistence to take down Obi-Wan is Anakin has this new worldview that he has constructed and Obi-Wan's going to keep throwing it back in his face that it's BS and he needs that to stop. He ne- he can't hear it <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. You know, he needs to stop. He needs that to stop uh, is really great. Uh, and I think what the, what you're saying with city is sensing that he's in trouble. It, uh, I think that it goes a lot into like how the fight is going and this sort of double edged sword with the dark side. And, and, and I think is a great analogy for real life. Anger is, the first fiery moments when you're angry, it, at least for me, it does give me focus. It does yeah. make me go, no, I know what I'm going to do. I have the strength to do it and I'm going forward. But mm-hmm. the longer you stay in just anger, it's one thing if anger, if you have a burst of anger and it gives you purpose and you're recentered again, great. Yeah, yeah. It got you moving. But when you just stay in a place of fury, you become unbalanced, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you mistake it for being in control, but you're really just, you know, bumbling and smashing and not looking, not thinking. And I, I love that in Star Wars, sometimes we see the dark siders using the focus of anger. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're just like a bull in a china shop, you know, that they own. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and we see that with Kylo in the forest on, on Starkiller base, you know? And, and I think that's what maybe what Sidious is sensing of just like Anakin is, he's not at the top of his game because he's just, yelling and charging forward he's he's it's a tantrum yeah yeah anger anger could be a great starting point uh i i i I can get behind that some point in life uh great motivation but yeah i I think if you stick in it uh you end up uh, hurting so much of uh what you love or what you're fighting for or those around you in a general sense uh, and I, I think that's on display. Yeah, and I, I think it's really interesting for Palpatine to be like, he's far away going, uh, too angry, too angry, too angry. <laughs> Lost any sense of balance within his anger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's launch into into Obi-Wan. And you, it's definitely uh, fascinating to watch this fight, particularly the end uh, with the additional clarity of the Obi-Wan television show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for me, Obi-Wan's main uh perspective his victory condition why he's fighting is conflicted i think he's Mm -hmm. really conflicted i think it's so powerful that he tells yoda early on that he he doesn't want to do this he can't do this but he's the jedi who doesn't break he does Mm. what he must and i think he he comes there full of conflict so uh, sad and, and broken down when he when he sits and hides in Padme's shuttle and <laughs> closes the door with the force. Yeah. Uh, and then he sees for, with his own eyes, how, you know, twisted Anakin has let himself become. And I think he gets this resolve of, you know, literally what he says, I will do what I must. Mm. Uh, but then he spends almost the entire fight being quite defensive. And a yeah. lot of it is just Obi-Wan's style. Um, and maybe it's a great tactic to just let Anakin, you know, thrash until he's tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but there's real conflict in it. There's real conflict with, I will do what I must. I'm taking the robe off. I'm getting the blade ready. You know, you have become a Sith and it is my responsibility to cut you down versus to me, like the truth of a ton of the fight is. And I don't 
want to. So mm-hmm. how am I going to see this through? I think he knows he has to stop Vader, but he does not want to kill Anakin. Yeah, yeah. I, I always look at this idea of as he goes there. It's like, can, can he can he save Anakin or destroy Vader? And it, it, is either of those things really possible in mm-hmm. him? And, and and we can and focus on the end. That some of the best uh, prequel stuff, right? Even 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 quote back in the day, we all loved him yelling, "You were the chosen one." Uh, there's a reason that they played that before the uh, episode one of the Obi Wan series. Mm-hmm. Kenobi is torn apart then, and he was probably torn apart going into this fight, like you said, with the "I can't do it" moment. Um, he watches him burn. He leaves him to die. We now know have we now have this knowledge that he he fails in both tasks. But Kenobi walks away with this this pain gnawing at him that he that he killed his friend, right? Killed his mm-hmm. brother. That's confirmed now. We have the additional information. But I I I, I and I even kind of kick this back to here. There are several moments in this fight in which Kenobi goes for a killing blow on the conference table. He's trying mm-hmm. to win. At one point. This is me watching this morning a little more closer. At one point, he's just watching what he thinks is Anakin going over the edge of a lava waterfall. <laughs> so <laughs> as conflicted as he is, it is. Well, that is the conflict. It's like, I I, I, I kind of want to save him. Uh, well, I can't save him off that waterfall. <laughs> oh, I, oh, he jumped off. He saved himself. And I just kind of love that about this fight. Uh, you know, he's prepared to destroy him. But when Anakin won't stop, I, I think the sadness of the reality really starts to hit him that Anakin has lost and he failed him. And, and that kind of leads uh, to the high ground moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I watched it, uh, again this morning, uh, twice, which was just glorious to have the time, uh, to do that yeah, this yeah. morning. Uh, and, and really interesting to see it again with the Obi-Wan, uh, TV show context. Um, I really think I was thinking about that too. And I really feel like both those moments are, he knows Anakin well enough to know, like, uh, I'm, I'm just pushing him. I'm just pushing mm-hmm. him to see where this goes. I don't think Obi-Wan has a thought in his head that that, that uh, killing blow on the meeting table is going to land. I mean, it is absolutely right, killing right. blow. He is arcing for yep. his, his head to cut the top <laughs> half of his body in half. They split him, you know, between the eyes. It's yep. a violent hack, but I just don't think that he's, thinks that Anakin isn't going to block it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that take on it there, too. It's just, it, it's part of the fight. He's cut up uh, in the moment. And then when given the chance, you know, it, it, that's why he resisted. And in the end of this fight, he is not the lecturing older brother he is at the beginning, right? It, it, it's a different no. vibe, different energy. And, and I think that's the journey of the fight for him. And and I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about the way the fight actually moves. Uh, and we can we can talk about that and, and what's going on with that. But I, I also was really enjoying that other moment you're talking about where, you know, I've always enjoyed the moment where Obi-Wan is like, uh, yeah, I can see this isn't good. I will get off this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this piece of machinery that is going over a lava fall. And of course, Anakin is late to that party. <laughs> but the way he lands... There's no, like, his shoulders don't slump. There's not a shot where he's looking expectantly haunted, wondering mm-hmm. whether or not. He he reignites his lightsaber, and he's just waiting. He's like, yeah, yeah. I know he's rash and stupid and wasn't paying any attention to the fact that we were going over a lava fall, but I yeah. know he's not done. He Obi-Wan is so ready, you know? Yeah, mm. I, yeah no, I agree with that. No, absolutely. Uh, and and I, I love that idea of like Obi Wan looks around and goes, "We got to get a, get off this trade." And Anakin's still riding the caboose, <laughs> always on the move, but yeah. not paying any attention. Yeah, and, and I feel like it's meaningful. I I know that um, we now know that Obi Wan feels he killed him. That that mm-hmm. is what he believes happened. Uh, but even with the high ground, even knowing like, okay, I've manipulated him into a spot where there's no amount of power. I, I just I have the angle, and, and I know him, and it's. He's not going to get past me. Mm. He, he could have gone for the head, right? He could have 
you know, cut him in half. Yeah, right. The fact that even then he goes for limbs. And when he says don't try it, that's like such a fascinating part of the fight for Obi-Wan. And and mm-hmm. we've had questions about this from from listeners in the past. Great questions about, you know, Obi-Wan, I think he means it. He truly doesn't want Anakin to try it. Uh, I think he wants him to come to his senses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. turn himself in anything, but just launch himself into being, you know, cut down by Obi-Wan. Yeah. And we've gotten great questions in the past of like, if Anakin would have been like, okay, and then like <laughs> run the other way, would Obi-Wan have chased him? I think probably, right. I think he, I think Obi-Wan would have, because I think Obi-Wan was committed to like, mm, yeah, he's got to be stopped. I don't want to do this, but he's got to be stopped. Mm. I, yeah. No, what a, what a fun comedy moment too, but yeah, no, I, <laughs> you underestimate my power. And then he does a backflip halfway across the river and runs away. <laughs> Leaps on all the droids. Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, in a Lego and uh, you know, when the villain starts launching away to the next cliff, you got to get to um, in a Lego game. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that too. I, the, the hesitation is, is real. And I think conflict all the way through, including him letting them, you know, burn to death. Uh, it, it, it's not clean. It is a little mean and cruel. And there's always those, you know, uh, overused jokes of just, you know, stab him or kill him. And well, well, you know, this is what you did to your, your brother. I think that's the conflict you're supposed to feel. And, it, and it's pretty effective for me even now. Absolutely. That end is extremely effective with that. Um, so how do you feel the environment helps tell the story and mm. the thrill factor? This is yeah. once again, not a subtle environment. It is not. Look, I think overall uh, Empire Strikes Back, Vader, Skywalker is the best overall use of environment and setting, as we discussed in the previous episode. Check that out. Um, This is, as you said, less subtle. It's louder. It's a rock concert of a setting. Um, (laughs) But it's truly the most epic setting yet. And I I really do believe that. I think the Obi-Wan Kenobi rematch duel from the show reaches some of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of love about that vibe. Uh, I think the Death Star Ruins duel and Rise of Skywalker with Kylo and and Rey is one of my favorite just looks. And the Exegol duel is epic. It is the heart of darkness. It's all those things. Uh, but uh, this this one, I still think Mustafar stands to top the rest. I really do. Again, overall, I think Empire, the shots, the looks, it's so beautiful and what it means. We dug deep. But uh, this one is, like I said, turning up to 11. It's what you wanted and it's what you needed for these two uh, characters at this point in the story. Yeah, I think it is absolutely one of the best because it is just the like, uh, this goes to 11. Mm-hmm. Um, the element of Star Wars that is a, a thrilling adventure serial pulpy action movie, right? Um, there's a reason that that's always been, was always tantalizing when you read it in a novelization or on the back of an action figure or trading card that they had an epic duel on a lava planet it's kind of the most just uh, they're different planets the in you know wizards can fight with laser swords where would be the most epic place to fight all over volcanoes Mm, (laughs) mm. so just from that perspective it you know goes to 11 yeah yeah but then for for this story of, of how this individual Anakin fell to the dark side, how the entire galaxy fell to the dark side, how uh, the people of the Republic gave up their own Republic because they were manipulated into fearing some alleged other, you know, in the separatists. That's really just turning, you know, everybody in on themselves. All that stuff is really, really just uh, brought 
uh, to the literal, no pun intended, boiling point mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> by setting this battle on mm. what many cultures, you know, symbolizes straight up hell, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, paint with a broad brush. Obviously, there are many different interpretations of ideas of, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the planes of existence. Um, mm-hmm. But just really even ignoring actual religion, mm-hmm. the experience in my lifetime of growing up in secular Western culture, even if some of the imagery has religious origins, that planet is hell, right? I mean, yeah. just from a cultural perspective and i'll only speak for the ages i grew up in that's hell right yep yep absolutely uh if uh revenge of the sith came out in 85 there'd be some satanic panic over it since that's in the, <laughs> heard that phrase in the news again thank you stranger things season four uh yes 100 mm-hmm. yeah so i mean i think that's a a big part of it uh i also feel like it just kind of works for me that uh they're kind of just fighting on anakin's soul right it's this oh yeah this fiery power that could be productive and natural. We're seeing all these, you know, yeah. Mustafarians and these droids going around and mining it and working with the environment and great classic Star Wars uh, thing of uh, every culture is sort of uh, at least partially defined by where they actually live and their relationship to nature. So you can kind of see like, oh, well, maybe what's going on here is just productive and natural and organic like mm-hmm. Anakin's fiery soul could be, or it could be just a dangerous, devastating, horrific wildfire of anger. Yeah. And all it takes is a misplaced lightsaber strike to press the wrong <laughs> buttons and uh, the anger explodes. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the other things that I think works really well in the environment to tell the the story, to tell the thrill factor. It is just the, like, this is an epic fight, so it travels. It goes from yeah. place to place the way the the Bespin duel did, the way some of the great uh, early swashbuckling films you know fought all over the castle from this parapet down to this dungeon, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's got that vibe. But so much is told in the story of how Anakin and Obi-Wan travel through the environment, right? Mm. Anakin is almost always on the offensive. He is charging forward. He is paying no attention to anything. Like you said, he smashes those controls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's, for the most part, like Obi-Wan every once in a while finds himself in an awkward position. But for the most part, Anakin's the one who's charging forward, leading them to more and more mm. dangerous and precarious places. Yep. And I remember when the film came out, one of the criticisms was, I there was no soul. It was just big CGI action pieces. They just got to jump on a big thing so it can fall. Blah blah blah. But to me, like that's a, that it's it's a visual metaphor for what's happening to Anakin. He is not thinking about anything but his anger, yeah. his need to control. The only thing he can see is Obi Wan, and he's barely paying attention to the fact that he is pushing them into more and more precarious places that are just going to destroy them both. Yeah. And in contrast. Obi-Wan spends the entire battle down to shots you can pick out constantly scanning the environment Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. for his own safety and for opportunities. He is so much more centered, so much more aware of the totality of his environment. And like, uh, I feel like Anakin vision, you know, would just be, are we fighting in a field of lilies? I don't know. All I can (laughs) see is Obi-Wan, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. I love the moment where, you know, the lava starts kind of exploding and the rocks, everything's coming down on them and they're both kind of like hiding. It's kind of like <laughs> Kobe's like, of course this would happen. 
Uh, you got to go here and I'll meet you where you need to go. But yeah, I think you're right. It, it's uh, And in the end, he's the one who uses the environment to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that he's spending that whole fight looking for a place in a way to bring it, to, to turn it around and, and bring it back to Anakin's choice, right? Yeah. Because Obi-Wan is the one who declares, I will do what I must. And then he lets Anakin drive the fight, right? Mm. Uh, in theory, you could look at it as Obi-Wan has come there to stop Anakin. So in theory, he's the aggressor, right? Yeah. And he claims he's the aggressor by saying, I will do what I must. And then he lets Anakin lead the fight from the very first phrase. Anakin flips back and takes yep. command yep. and he drives Obi-Wan back. And Obi-Wan, for the most part, just lets Anakin drive him mm-hmm. to more and more desperate, weird <laughs> places until he spots the place where he can reassert control and, and force Anakin into a choice. I agree. Even go looking inside uh, what we keep kind of referring to as the conference room table sequence, everything, but like, you know, Anakin's, uh, you know, leaping off of him. His, 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 his blade is the wild shot that, that launches the bigger problems on Mustafar. Yeah. I agree with that take on it there. And, and this is why I love looking at it. Why I look at what is each frame telling you? Um, yeah. And, 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 and that, that's, that's easy to get lost, especially if you're coming out of a theater or especially if you're making a joke on Twitter. I get it. I get it. You want to make a high ground joke? Good for you. But trying to analyze uh, what it all means and what it all builds to. I, I think it's all through this fight. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of looking at every frame, uh, what sort of realities of filmmaking and the process do you think about when you watch this fight? I think at times for me, you feel the blue screen. You talked about the big overall critique was a little more lifeless and everything. And I, I well, I don't necessarily fully agree with that as much these days. I understand it, which is why I'd always put the Return of the Jedi fight as my favorite, right? Because I connect to those emotions a lot, even though there's bigger things going on. Even some of them I didn't fully understand as a seven or eight-year-old. I, I got the emotions there. Um, and the general critique of the prequels was ah, a little more dancing, right? We, we talked about that a lot mm-hmm. uh, with the Phantom Menace one there. So that, that kind of criticism doesn't hold up for me over the course of time. But it, in this fight, you do feel... Some of the blue screen, you do kind of get it, uh, leaping onto, and this is for me, very personal, leaping onto really, really thin walkways. And I just don't have balance. So maybe I can't comprehend that. Um, lava splashing everywhere where I'm like, there, there's gotta be burn more sleeves off, uh, the writing, <laughs> the, the tiny droids, uh, the digital pickup shots of the two of them, which I don't think I came out of the theater going, did you see those digital pickup shots? I just saw featurettes that were like, Ooh, wow. Some of the long shots in that conference room were completely digital. It wasn't them. Cause they needed uh, they needed this, uh, a different shot for editing and pacing. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's, it's two characters, two actors. Uh, I know you, you, like you said, they do most of the stuff, but I'm sure there's some doubles in there as well. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's them, uh, some, some doubles, uh, some talented doubles and a very talented fight coordinator, just leaving it all on the table. So any of those realities that hold me back, blue screen tech, the way George was putting things out there, even the dialogue and, and the delivery of it that sometimes can, can, can rub up, up against me. Uh, it, the, the other reality is this, it's very human. It's very mm-hmm. uh, two performers knowing the character. It's a stunt coordinator knowing how to tell the fight that George wants to tell uh, and tell the story in this fight. Um, so therefore, I, I really love that. And, and uh, I, I was focused on some of the quicker moments in this fight uh, this morning. Uh, you talked about the quicker stuff, right? And yeah, you're right. You, you, you know, you almost want to frame by frame and the moves and command is back. Everything. It just, uh, I don't know, just brought the, brought all that home for me. And just what is at the core of this fight? It is uh, two two characters and two actors. Yeah, no, I, I think for me, when I watch the the film, I'm I'm not bothered. I don't see the the 
blue screen, green screen. I don't mm-hmm. see the the pickup shots. I think it's you know probably my my love of these characters of Obi Wan, yeah. yeah. uh, my relationship with this film, with this fight. Um, I I feel of like all of the the prequels where there are moments where like yeah no I get it that that line is maybe a little flat or that delivery is a little flat and mm-hmm. not as is human as maybe uh, some people want. I just I feel like this is so raw. Um, I think this mm-hmm. is some of uh, both of them's best acting, but particularly yeah. Hayden, some of those shots where he just looks so hollowed out, so haunted, so determined in just, I'm going to do this, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, it's just this, I'm just doing it. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I think I don't, I, I acknowledge that those flaws are there and I can literally physically see them <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and acknowledge them, but I don't ever feel them when I'm personally watching it um, or get distracted by them. Uh, yeah. So what I, I think about this as a culmination, right, mm. of we're doing the prequels, we're telling this story, this is the beat that has to happen. We've Lucas has made this decision that uh, the lightsaber fights are going to look different because these are people at their absolute height. Now they've been fighting the Clone Wars for three years in endless, endless, endless combat. They eat, sleep, and breathe lightsaber combat. And these two know each other, (laughs) you know, absolutely like the back of their own hand. Um, And it it just feels like such a culmination of all these things that everybody's doing this sort of like, um, we're pointing where we're going to hit the home run to. That's the goal (laughs) of this fight. So when I watch this, I think about Nick Gillard, that this is just sort of a, a culmination of his choreography right Mm, mm. uh all the the stunt work and training that you and and hayden did um i think uh uh, about the some of the just all the great design all the great animatics that went into this uh there's some great weird fun sound effects throughout there's a the weird boing (laughs) exactly (laughs) space boing that they they make on the beam Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh that so many people were so aware of like we've all heard about this uh, for a long time and here we here we are it's gotta be epic and i think i kind of feel that i think mm-hmm. as a kid you know i i played lightsaber fights and then i also when i was bored uh with my brother uh played you know, the floor is made of lava mm-hmm. <laughs> uh in, in our bedroom and to see the floor is made of lava and a lightsaber fight combined <laughs> you know it is just sort of this culmination yeah. of epic fantasy uh, but also just the the epic emotions, obviously. Right, yeah, um, yeah. And and like and I've 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 really tried to put aside my um, preconceived notions. There are definitely times where I've uh, thought about like, oh, I wish Anakin had a red blade, so they're a little differentiated. Or mm-hmm. uh, is there a way to have less motion blur or glow when the lightsabers hit, so we can see it, uh, you know, a little bit? Or even, hey, if they really trained to fight that fast, should they have slowed the film down a little bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of, you know, usually it's the opposite. I have definitely had all of those thoughts, uh, but now I really just like embracing it for what it is because that speed is the intent, that utter knowledge of one another is the in, in, intent. You know, this mm-hmm. is the ultimate expression of George Lucas saying faster, more intense. Yeah, it truly is. And it's weird. And we had this discussion in the episode about uh, Kenobi, Vader, and A New Hope, right? And mm-hmm. the realities of that, and it's slower. It's so weird to re- kind of remember. I don't know if you felt this too. There was this thing where 
coming out of the theater roughly in that era, I'm not saying specifically to the first couple times I saw it, there was discussions happening for me at a Chili's bar up on uh, Reseda in, uh, <laughs> in Northridge area um, that, well, if, how are these the same two characters in a new as the ones in a new hope right where where you were you were using both fights to criticize the other fight in this weird kind of <laughs> lockbox of emotion just this like well i didn't like this one because the, the one i grew up with was slower well you know and it's also weird that that one's slower and this one's fast and this one looks better but that way it was this weird kind of like it's just weird thing man which is why I don't mean to pick on the people that made that reimagined new hope fight, but I'm just like, you, you stopped having the conversation in 06 about, uh, about those two fights and just decided to match one to the other when they're totally two different things. And so I, I've, I think I've emerged from that haze a little bit where, yes, it does have, I keep thinking, you know, the big, one of the big overtop moments in this revenge fight is the, they're both doing the spinning, right? They're doing, and they come to that, like, boom, the, 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 they're on top of the table. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, they're, they're the, the side of the table at, the, when they do the force push. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're doing the and they're both spinning their lightsaber around. Yeah. And it's making a great sound. Uh, it's that is over the top. It's really over the top. Uh, and it's a great spot. It's a great spot in the fight. And I love that it's there. Um, but I think uh, you know, I, I think that could have rubbed up against a few people back in the day when you're coming out of it and going, well, what was that? Was silly. What was that for? And I, I think because you, you got a lot of preconceived notions um, for the fights, which is weird because this is a couple of years after Phantom Menace. We we're all used to this kind of thing by now. Again, I think I'm speaking mostly our generation in general. In general, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're seven coming out of Revenge of the Sith, you are running to the playground. Oh yeah, no, I mean, and and probably if you were seven in Phantom Menace, you're like, yes, this is exactly what I expected—a massive escalation, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of the fights in Phantom Menace. And I think for me, like the intensity and the ferocity, it it does tell the story because Anakin is in the throes of the dark side, and while Obi Wan is the hero, this is after years and years and years of war. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. being a Jedi, he wants to be able to have this prowess. But this is the last thing he wants to be doing. And, and to me, it helps tell the story of like, this is how this is where we ended up that mm-hmm. uh, th- that this level of just vicious combat in a horrific environment uh, that this comes second nature to me. Yeah, it's the last place that he wants to be as a person. And it's not even as we've talked about, it's not even remotely where he's at in A New Hope. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's so centered and just like, hey, lightsaber's the thing I got to do. And I'm only doing it for this short time for this very specific reasons, um, I, I think is is really powerful. I love your story. That That's such a great uh, life lesson, right? Of yeah. <laughs> with your, your bar conversation of I am a Star Wars fan and we are talking about two lightsaber fights. And here's why I don't like both of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, then let's start consider the word fan. Yeah. Not like we can't dislike things or have favorites, but that kind of thing where you where, where every you're leading from such a critical place where you're a fan, which is liking thing, but the only thing you focus on is disliking it. Like yeah. and, and and ending up in that place that nobody wants to be. They want joy out of things, right? Yeah. And yeah. Again, not saying don't criticize. We're saying things we don't like, but just you know, it's don't a, end up in a bar disliking everything about something you like. But again, using both fights against each other, which would make you think you'd like the other fight better. But no, you don't. <laughs> You're just throwing <laughs> both of the fights at each other. And, and it's and it's 
And it's weird because we all knew the New Hope one was slower because we we liked Empire and Jedi better. You know, that's the one we reenacted on the playground. So then you're holding on to the, that. You're not engaging with the story there, but then you've thrown. Anyways, you know what goes. It yeah, was a long. I, yeah. It was a long dinner at Chili's that night. I understand. I understand. It's just gonna. It, it it's it's the comedy of it for me. Mm-hmm. Of you know, it's understandable. We we love something. We uh, we get uh, extremely strong opinions about it, and then we suddenly we find yourself like, I love Star Wars, but it shouldn't have lightsabers, yeah, <laughs> or ships, or politics, or planets, <laughs> or characters, like you like, or puppets, like, like okay, stories, stories shouldn't be in Star yeah. Wars, like, or art, or growth, or yeah. <laughs> that's when it maybe slips into. Yeah, you're on Mustafar fighting yourself. All right, uh, let's get into some moments of thrill and emotion because there are a lot to discuss. You already mentioned a couple of great ones. Uh, what's on your list? What are your first couple? The, the entire preamble, uh, you, know, you mentioned that you have done that yourself, but even the conversation with Padme, uh, it, it, there's, there's a lot of great stuff in there. There's a lot of great stuff in that preamble. It really sets up the fight, really works for me now uh, on a lot of levels. And again, do I think everything in, in Padme's story was handled perfectly? I do not. Um, but uh, I, I love the the exchange. You really get an insight. You really see the lies that he's trying to to, to sell, and and uh, so that's a great way to start it. it, it all leading up to uh, something we've already talked about. But I will do what I must. You will try. Then he leaps into the fight, and the music starts. Whoa, that's a great beginning to this fight. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, and that that whole scene is is worthy of great discussion of everything between Anakin and Padme, and and how Obi Wan fits into it all. Um, amazing uh, to see the changes of time where that Anakin's line of if you're uh, not with me then you are my enemy how Mm. resoundingly clear to everyone in the theater that that was Anakin Skywalker quoting uh, the President of the United States at the time resoundingly clear Mm -hmm. probably not uh, on people's minds as much when they're seeing it for the first time Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. years later a lot of fascinating stuff in that but yeah Obi-Wan coming to that conclusion that i will do what i must is in the the whole of the lightsaber is so uh so great in the you will try mm-hmm. i mean people talk a lot about liking anakin vader's sense of humor even mm-hmm. in his dark moments <laughs> that is a pretty a pretty nasty little zinger of yeah. you will try you will try <laughs> you'll put your back into it but good luck old man <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty great it's a great yeah. way to start the fight yeah. love that uh, so what are some other moments for you? Um, I do, um, right when we get going, um, it's so funny cause just playing this in like the, the Lego Skywalker saga game, this part of the map is so, uh, in my brain cause the game uh, glitched and I was stuck in it for like a day and I couldn't get, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> figure out oh, my game had glitched. I, I got to restart. Um, that fight down the small hallway in the beginning, that little entryway mm. and kind of the over it and just, uh, the compact nature of them fighting, but also the movement of them going to the bigger part of the fight. You're so right. This is that old swashbuckling feel of different locations and how, how you get there is important. Um, but I love that little sequence. It's just something really fun, really fun. And because it, it has a little bit of echo of Empire for me, a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I just, I kind of like that. Yeah, no, I really like that uh, that early phrase down the hallway. It's uh, some of the moments where you can kind of see the the different style of, of lightsaber fighting really clearly. I love the just sparks flying off the hallway and you really get that sense of just like, Oh, everything is, you know, nothing is, no one's being careful about anything. (laughs) The sparks flying off that hallway, but there's that specific phrase. One of the things uh, that I really come to appreciate is it's in other parts of the fights in revenge of the Sith, uh, particularly uh, Anakin and, and Dooku toward the end. 
Uh, but these moments where it really is just about sort of um, momentum and mm-hmm. sort of swooping one another's blades, right? There's moments that it is about crashing together. There's a couple of great moments where, you know, Obi-Wan's just kind of adjusting his blade and letting Anakin hammer away at him so he can get these opportunities to do these sort of, I'm going to use your momentum and we're going to kind of like swoop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the twisting of the blades phrases are so great. And you referenced it earlier, that's that great one. Uh, where they're both kind of trying to twist each other's blades mm. and Obi-Wan twists Anakin around backward and doesn't cut at his back and Anakin blocks behind his back. So I will always love a block behind the back. But that whole thing is so fluid. It is so a battle of two people who know one another's pressure points, who knows what one another is going to try. And here, let me throw out the most uh, clever, surprising move. And you know that block, you know that block, you know yeah. that block. Oh, yeah, they're so familiar, right? They've been fighting alongside each other. All that kind of tracks and makes sense. Really yeah. Does. Mm. Yeah. So what's uh, what's next for you in your list of thrills and emotion? Yeah, I go to Anakin choking Kenobi and how unsettling it is. And you talk about Anakin, excuse me, Hayden, one and the same. Hayden having great acting moments. I really love that one, even though it's, it, like I said, it's really unsettling. It's disturbing. It's, mm-hmm. uh, dare I say, serial killer. Like, he's just, just choking his buddy as the life drains out of him and just look on his face. Um, talk about the moments of Anakin versus Vader. This is one of those moments where I think Vader's definitely winning, and mm-hmm. it really is effective. It's a and it's and it's and it's a in terms of pro wrestling, it's a rest spot where they're resting and gathering their energy for the rest of the match. But uh, for here, it's just really effective uh, storytelling of where Anakin is uh, at this point in the fight. Yeah, yeah, that that is a really really great pick. Yeah, it, it is disturbing. Um, I do have to ask you about this. I don't remember the details and I didn't have time to look them up. But back in the day when they were doing, you know, the showing you uh, bits and pieces of the process on uh, the the website. Mm. um, I don't remember if it was animatic, if it was behind the scenes. What There was a phrase of the fight and I was just drooling to see it. And there was a phrase that was, I think, Obi-Wan knocking Anakin's uh, uh, saber away. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then it isn't in the film. And I remember... Being like, hey, they cut out the logic of how, of where and how Anakin lost his blade. And watching it now as an adult, you're like, yeah, you can assume Obi Wan knocked his blade out of his hand. Yeah. And we're, we're picking up mid fight because yeah. they didn't, they didn't stop and rest their heads while we watched Yoda and Sidious. They kept fighting. And it doesn't bother me now, but it bothered me back in the day. Did it ever bother you? Did it ever? Did you ever go like, what? Hey, I missed part of the fight. Where did Anakin's lightsaber go? No, it didn't. But also, you're talking to someone who, about an hour after seeing Rogue One for the first time, went, "Hey, where's that shot of Jin and the Tie Fighter?" <laughs> I didn't see it. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Uh, yeah. So no, uh, I do remember that featurette. I do remember a lot of that stuff, and I, I think that's where I, I, you know, the the digital pickup shot, so to speak, is where I picked that stuff up. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I think I'm just so focused on how scary he is choking him. Yeah, no, it is very scary. Right around that uh, section, I do like uh, the mutual uh, hitting each other a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in particular, Obi-Wan's very powerful uh, kick of the clothesline with a leg that causes yes. Anakin to do a full flip, right? Oh, it's great. And that kind of leads to that that moment I was talking about with him mm-hmm. uh, going to slice him in two on that table. Uh, yeah, and Anakin blocks it. Yeah, I love that sequence. Yeah, absolutely great stuff. You talked about this, but I want to tackle it as one of my favorite moments the massive lightsaber spin uh, leading to the mutual force push. Mm-hmm. I get how you gif it and put this is useless. I get it. But like that's that to me, that's that's taking it out of context. It's the if you watch this lightsaber fight and think the point is 
absolute realism. This is how you would do it if you were fencing in real life. <laughs> to me, that's that's not what's happening here. It is about um, them trying to surprise one another, right? It is about them uh, looking to have any advantage. And I think it is a great phrase in the fight to just show, like, okay, they're kind of evenly matched. How are they going to get out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the spin is just cool. Uh, like, if, if you don't like cool things that are not entirely logical, Star Wars is often going to present challenges for you, starting with ships making noise in space. Right. And for me, this is one of those moments where uh, the cool in the fantasy has emotional logic. It might not have super great, tight, real-world logic, but it has emotional logic. It builds in that great big clash. And, and the mutual force push, to me, is the best moment in the fight of, like, they know each other mm-hmm. so well and they are kind of evenly matched on power despite what anakin claims you know and i say that as somebody who did a sketch about it you know like a month after it came out uh where where my brother and i you know had the fight and dropped uh you know our put our hands up against one another then dropped our lightsabers and put our other hands up against the weather and then put a leg up and you know it's funny you absolutely can find the humor in it but to me the story it's telling and the space fantasy thrill it's trying to convey, it knocks it out of the park. Yeah, space fantasy thrill is very important uh, to this fight, obviously. And and I, you know, what I love about that sequence now more than ever. And yeah, maybe it's still not one of my favorite moments of the fight, and maybe it wasn't back then. But I, I do enjoy. It. It's the sound design really high is shining in that moment. The blades, yeah. the yeah, everything about it's fine. And yeah, and I'm fine with things. Uh, I don't approach too. I I do like some realism in these fights. Um, I was talking about, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite Game of Thrones fight is, is Brienne versus the Hound because it's just so real. I love the moments mm-hmm. in Empire Strikes Back where Luke is swinging and missing. It's just so real. I, I spent 17 years breaking up and getting involved in fights. Uh, all real fights that don't involve MMA fighters last about 10 seconds with everyone on the floor gasping. Like, it's <laughs> not, not what you think it is. And so I don't necessarily want that in this fight at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I want some thrills, and I think it is a thrilling moment. It's, and and yes, it it can be fun, but uh, again, the sound I love I love it just for that sound. You bring up a very good point about where where was Mustafar Mall security? <laughs> you know, they should have been Russian. Well, actually, there's one of my favorite moments is when a little like little bucket droid comes up to floats up to them, and they're fighting. They, the droid's just like, "What the hell's going on?" Okay, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's the lava mining droid. Yeah. I love that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was uh, posted by great comedian uh, Paul F. Tompkins poking fun at it because. Yeah. Uh, you know, relatively recently, in the last six months or whatever, um, you know, having a sense of humor about it, and that's all fine and great. Let's have a sense of humor about it. But to me, it's it's uh, it's so George Lucas. Mm. It is. I want to do world building. I'm not just going to have it be a lava planet because it looks tormented and, and hellish. Uh, there are people who live here, and it's a mining facility, and those would have droids. It's all that world building, and like yeah. we're just we're trying to do our day job at the plant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and these space wizards are having an epic battle, smashing everything. And there's also, I feel like, this great push that Lucas has, where I think he has this great commitment, where he feels like the dark parts of stories have to be dark. Mm-hmm. But he's so tortured by it. There's that a documentary that came out uh, on the in the like 2008 release of the Indiana Jones movies, and it's an interview all about Temple of Doom and about how Lucas insisted it's the second movie, even though it's a prequel. It's got to be the dark chapter, and he talks about all the reasons that it should be dark. And at the end, says 
It's not my favorite, though. I don't like the dark ones. I like the fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like he's committed. Revenge yeah. of the Sith is a dark movie. You mm-hmm. said it yourself. Anakin looks like a serial killer. It's mm-hmm. dark. And he's like, he can't resist trying to put a little bit of whimsy and light into it. And that's that little droid going like, just trying to do my job. And yeah. this bleep's happening. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And even the, the Mustafarians kind of like, look at our, our, who's Who are those folks? Who, why are they fighting? Why? Those why are for riding. Yeah. Why do we just lose an entire like piece of our uh, facility? <laughs> Is that one of the uh, the anchors that just went flowing yeah. over the lava yeah. fall? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, uh, what are what are any more moments of uh, thriller emotion for you? Uh, a couple left for me. Uh, the, the the promo shot I call the VHS uh, VHS mm. box shot of the lava exploding blades clashing. A little bit of a, of a wide shot, a little bit of a long shot. It's beautiful, man. It's it's why it's shown up in so much Star Wars marketing material and T-shirts and hats and uh, screensavers and all that stuff. It's a it's a great shot and and love that. And, and Star Wars always has those moments, uh, and and that's one of them. Yeah, the the holding each other's hands, trying to control the blades, mm-hmm. the lava splashing up in the background, absolutely so uh, uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the uh, one of my whole favorite parts of it is the the last phrase um, of the fighting in the lava r- river. It does not bother me that that Anakin is on a you know little lava mining droid. Um, I love the close quarters. I love the shot of Obi Wan recentering, where he kind of brings the blade up in size mm-hmm. and let you know blows the air out. Um, in their conversation here, that last volley of close quarters fighting and that look from Obi-Wan of like, ah, there, there, there's the opportunity I've been looking for. Uh, final, yeah. final beat for me. I have the high ground. <laughs> it yeah. just works for me. Yeah. No, I like, yeah, I, I, I think, um, when I talked earlier, like some of the, the blue screen stuff, and that's kind of some of the stuff. I just mean that in a general sense, whether or not even was blue screen all the time or not, I, I don't even care. It is the leaping and then landing. Like yeah, even today I was like, Wow, Kenobi's—he really measured that leap good, force or not. He knew how to land on that little pad. He because he didn't have a lot of momentum. I would have had to swing that rope for about an hour before I got there. Uh, <laughs> and of course, Anakin takes a big leap and lands on this tiny, tiny little droid. Uh, you know, uh, you could pl- try to apply some logic to it. It's the force, kids. That's what it is. So I don't think I get held up on it as much, but also just like it. It's also really weird. It's sci-fi uh, mm-hmm. mixed in with the Star Wars fantasy we love. So I like that. I like. I didn't even know. I, I don't think I even, uh, if I remember correctly, I don't think I loved the swing and blade strike that was from the trailer. Um, oh yeah. I think I like it now. I think it, it, it's it is again. It's a bit over the top. This entire film is over the top. It is the, the third uh, dark chapter in this uh, prequel series, and and we got unlimited power, cackling Palpatine throwing Senate pods, and we got these two. Like, where else can we take this fight? Swinging on metal ropes. <laughs> And we slash at each other. And I think it's all part of the, the aesthetic. And, and I love it. Uh, I definitely love it now, even if I didn't love uh, a lot of that then. It's dark swashbuckling. You kind of can't get more swashbuckling. Right. Than swinging and hitting swords, you know? You, you just yeah. need a sail on a pirate ship behind them and you're there. <laughs> yeah. They could have turned that machinery into a boat. Yeah. And yeah. Had a good time on the lava river. Mm-hmm. Um, so last thing I wanted to ask you about in this fight is we do know now that Obi-Wan has uh, spent a decade believing that that indeed was the end of his friend, his brother, Anakin Skywalker. Do you feel like Obi-Wan should have made sure Anakin was dead? How do you feel about that that end 
watching it now with the information we have. Yeah, look, sure. Yes, he should have. That whole high ground sequence is about, like you said, and it's a truth that Anakin can't see through the lies he keeps telling himself, right? That's what's going on. It's, it's all painful and it's all sad. And technically, he should have done what Palpatine did, which was put two fingers on the pulse to see if he's okay. But <laughs> I... And again, it's one of those things where I get the jokes. It's been a it's been a punchline scene for a long time. I just I just think um, it just kind of misses the emotional weight of the moment and what we're talking about this theme of conflict in Kenobi. So story wise, I actually really get it. I can have some fun and say, yeah, I still don't think he would have, could have, should have, whatever, have put a blade through his head, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, if he had done that. Uh, just like at the same at the end of the Kenobi series, we got that, that. It was like the past is 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 present and and and, and uh, we're living it all again. Time is a circle mm-hmm. of having the same discussion, but missing the point or missing just what's going on with Obi Wan's uh, character, what's going on in his heart. And, and I like approaching the story from that versus a, a very technical. Yeah, he should have put a blade through his heart, his burning, singed heart, and walked away. I couldn't have. Yeah. Done that. Yeah, I think there's a, a a temptation sometimes to mm-hmm. look at what a character's motivation is in a story and, and not have, to me, uh, stop yourself from really, really, really having empathy, really, really putting yourself in their shoes, right? Mm. So if you approach it as Obi-Wan had a mission, it's to stop Anakin. Uh, yeah. Great. But I feel like I always feel the torture in Obi-Wan. He didn't want to do this he saw how far gone Anakin was and he convinced himself that he will do what he must and he gets this opportunity he he has the high ground he tries to tell Anakin not to do it he makes this horrible strike Mm -hmm. against a child he raised and failed and I don't I don't think he can bring himself to do the final job Right. I don't think yeah. he can. I don't think he can walk up to him and cut his head off. I I, I think that watching it now in this context in particular, uh, it, he's probably not gonna live mm-hmm. anyway, right? But then the fire, right, and to see that happening to someone you cared about, yeah. and the way he looks away in disgust, I just feel like there is a little bit of he, he Obi Wan lets himself go. Yeah, you know, he tells himself. It's over. I, I'm not going to stand here and watch this. Yeah. It's over. Because I think he couldn't bring himself to do it, you know? Yeah. And I really love the new context now of he walks away from this uh, limbless, tragic creature who's brought this hell onto himself, burning alive, um, and, and assumes, like, of course he died. Of yeah. course he's gone. And spends a decade... He couldn't even bring himself to make the final chop, and he spent a decade still haunted by it. Yeah, and I think that is the storytelling of the the new show of uh, Obi Wan's memory of that entire battle is not. Whew, it was a close one, but I pulled out a victory, and it was too bad. But yeah, uh, had to stop Vader. It's absolute trauma. It's like we we're talking about with Yoda. Of like, I got tricked into the Clone Wars. I got tricked into being a warrior. Mm. And look where that led me, this horrific hellscape battle with someone I I love and taking his life, taking his limbs, taking his life. That was trauma. Mm. That was hell. There's no victory in any of that to me. And then he goes through this whole journey where he has to face it. He has to reckon with it. He's almost brought back to that same moment. 
and just says, I know, I know the trauma I went through for 10 years uh, because I let myself be a warrior, a violent, violent warrior. Uh, and I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. Like that to me is a story. I, I, there's plenty to debate about whether Kenobi has responsibility to mm-hmm. stop Vader to protect the rest of the galaxy and whether he missed his shot twice. That's, I think an interesting and valid discussion, mm-hmm. but I think from the perspective of Obi-Wan, it's, I chose as much violence as I possibly could on Mustafar. And I almost did again on this other planet, the rocky, stabby, fighty place. <laughs> <laughs> and I chose to honor what I think it means to be a Jedi. I chose to honor all the people who fell from all this violence uh, by by showing mercy and not engaging in endless conflict. Yeah, bre- yeah, breaking the cycles is something we talk about a lot here. Uh, it works. And, and part of the discussions and part of, well, he should have, I, I hate the word use the word fun around this uh, dark stuff, but it's it's part of the fun <laughs> of just kind of discussing every little corner of the story, uh, and 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 why we always go back to all right, we'll find out the why of that scene. What is it telling you by uh, showing you this? And and that and that's part of the fun of the, the discussion. But it's I, I I don't mind having a little bar discussion at that. We'll go mm-hmm. back to that Chili's. We can drive that Chili's now, just. <laughs> and, uh, I'm very hungry. I'd like to go to Chili's. We, we can order play to their quesadillas and uh, and talk about. Yeah, he should have. He should have. He should have. He should have. Of course, because of this. Because of that. And he didn't. And what does that mean for the character? What does it mean for the story? I think it's a fun fun spot to to engage with. Absolutely. So wrapping up our big conversation here, out of 10 lightsabers fully ignited, how many lightsabers do you personally give this epic conflict? Yeah, no uh, fraction of a point here. I'm going straight uh, (laughs) 9 out of 10 for me. Nearly perfect, especially over time, especially with added context, but even just looking at the fight uh, as it is on the screen. um, Absolutely love it, 9 out of 10. I am going to finally wise up and use uh, your decimal decimal (laughs) point. I'm going to go 9.5 out of 10. Beautiful. Uh, It it is, this fight is so central to the entire Skywalker saga. It is uh, so blazing hot and blazing fast. That's what is intended and that's what comes across. It is, you know, thrill and emotion turned to the absolute uh, extremes. And while there are other lightsaber fights that I think are just as good or I like Mm -hmm. in different ways, I think this one knocks it out of the park for what it's trying to be. It is trying to be the biggest lightsaber fight ever made, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially here. We didn't think we'd have more. Nope. We thought that was it. Lucky for us. uh, We have Mm -hmm. more to discuss. Do you have any final thoughts on these fights for now? Uh, look, I used to say back when I was struggling with the prequels a little bit, I'll tell you what, the, the last 34, 40 minute, minutes of Revenge of the Sith really makes me want to watch uh, A New Hope. And I would do that often until I started saying that publicly. Uh, watching this today, I think I have a Kenobi series <laughs> rewatch coming up real soon. Uh, I love the feel, love the connection to all the, the rest of the storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. It's really fun to have all of these different moments become uh, fresh again with different context, and we'll only have more context uh, to come. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what is striking about these two duels are they are such a climax, not just of the prequels, but of uh, the journey that Lucas was going on with these six films and everybody who worked with them. They're such a climax, which creates this really fascinating perspective for the sequels of, well, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to discussing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Yeah, we are Force Center Pod. We are uh, on Twitter on uh, Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, go over and give us a subscription on YouTube so you can catch things like our live Q&As, uh, uh, 
supplemental supplementary material and rebroadcasts of the podcast over there. Uh, Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you can get into our Discord server where you can continue the discussion daily with Force Center friends. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to my website, Cadnapsock.com, where you can link to other things I'm working on, like my music show, Pop Rock and Radio. I make references to music a lot here. It's because I love it. Also, Casterly Talk, my Game of Thrones, mm. House of the Dragon, Rings of Power podcast. We're picking up steam as we got two series to cover at the same time. It's going to be a busy weekend, but check it out over there, sir. You? Yeah, so actually I just have a clarifying question. So for all of your Lord of the Rings coverage, you're doing that on Casterly Talk and taking Casterly Talk as a is a umbrella fantasy show. Currently, umbrella fantasy show, uh, yeah, is a good way to look at it. Uh, one of the, it's possible that I, I might be looking at Willow over there too, because I do love the movie and looking forward to the series. But, uh, you know, uh, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, and those little books that that guy writes uh, offer uh, <laughs> offer up a lot of content to review. But for the most part, we're at, we're a Game of Thrones World of Ice and Fire podcast, but yeah, covering over there and folks like Alden Diaz and uh, Andres Cabrera and other folks uh, popping in there. Last uh, this week we had uh, Alex and Molly Damon on who were just dying to talk about anything not Star Wars. They love Lord of the Rings, <laughs> so a lot of fun. So that's the spot over there. And uh, sir, yeah, if you want to talk about some swords and sandals, we'll get over there too. Ooh, so many swords happening. I'm very, very excited for all that stuff coming out around the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a lot, a lot. Anyway, if you want to check out what I'm doing now, you can find me on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for other comedy adventures. I will be in uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis soon in August for the great convention Convergence, doing a brand new stand-up show and some other fun panels, including a couple Star Wars ones. So if you're interested, info on my whole schedule is on the live shows page of josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for that lava mining droid, the DLC-13 Mining Droid. That's right, the downloadable Content 13 Mining Droid. This has been Force Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.